sauce. What a pleasant surprise. This morning's full of surprises, Leonidas. We've been tricked. You wonder this is a surprise. Silence! This isn't an army. We heard Sparta was on the warpath. We were eager to join forces. If it is blood you seek, you're welcome to join us. Would you bring only this handful of soldiers against Xerxes? You see, I was wrong to expect Sparta's commitment to at least match our own. Doesn't it? You, there. What is your profession? I'm a potter. Sir. And you, Arcadian, what is your profession? Sculptor, sir. And you? Blacksmith. Spartans! What is your profession? <laughs> We are back for another week of SVS Fly Fishing Podcast. And what is going on, my good friends around the table this evening? Yeah, that was a good one to start off to there. Oh, man. Been a while. So, uh, <clears throat> if anyone doesn't know, this is the Clarks that we're playing right now. God, how many times did you see them? Oh, I've seen them probably 25 times right. in concert. I what, lo- what, the first time we were in high school? Right. right? They came to West Middlesex High That's School. It's like I was yeah. thinking, like, I've seen them at, like, every college venue around here. Like, you take, like, an hour radius, they've played at every one of them, every bar, every school. It's I've seen them in West Virginia. I've seen them in Ohio. I've seen them in Pennsylvania. So, oh, God, I love them. I, I love this band. Um, and I think 2022 is the first year since 1990. They're going to play again. Since 1997 that I hadn't seen them. Really? Or, no, 2021 was the first year I hadn't seen them. They, um... 
what was it there? Is it the guitarist? That was the collector, the train collector? He had the shop right, right by the wife's bank in Mercer. The guitarist is the one that has the horses. He's like the little guy with the long white hair. Okay, I don't think that's him then. The one who had the train, where the gun store is now? He used to have like a little train shop there. Nah, probably. I, yeah. I, I would I probably say horses and trains go together like could be. I, I, don't, I don't know which one it is, but yeah, it was one of the Clarks guys. I'm like, yeah. That's awesome, man. I love the Clarks. I haven't seen them in a f- Well, I think two years ago they played on the square there. But I haven't seen them since then. So, um, we got a lot of stuff going on this evening. Um, if you heard the movie clip that went on prior to the song, uh, tonight's a 300th episode, so I figured it, it was only fitting to play a, a movie clip from 300. Who's our uh, 300 show been brought to you by, Chad? Tonight's show has been brought to you by... Urban Fly Company. Check Mark out at urbanflycompany.com. Sims Fishing. Go find it. It's winter weather. Simsfishing.com. Predator Fly Gear. Predatorflygear.com. ARX Hooks. Find us hooks on the market. Oh, shit. I had to have that that uh, microphone cranked for Jace. <laughs> hey, check out our boy Ryan Evans at Queen City Guiding. QueenCityGuiding.com. Yeti. Built for the wild. Don't call the bank. Call Frank. If you need to invest some money, go see Michael at Down to Earth Wealth Management. Uh, is that all of them, guys? I think so. I think so. I don't know. We kind of went off order there. It got a little weird. I know. Jay fucked me up last week, so I figured I'd, take, I'd go out of order and get him this week. <laughs> I haven't been here in a few weeks, so. <laughs> what? The last That's two sense. weeks has just been Jay and I, and now we got out my of cousin, town. My cousin sat in and said six words. And now we got out of towners in sitting on, on the show. Mm-hmm. It's like an everyday occurrence now. Zach, do you want to introduce yourself, buddy? Yeah, Zach Buchanan. Uh, just a forester in the <laughs> UP. <laughs> that's that what we great, think. That's, that's how you get welcomed here. That's your introduction, buddy. Chad, farting off the storm. <laughs> I mean, it's not like even like after the intro, nothing. No, he literally gets his name out. <laughs> <laughs> This oh, is the room's show. not bad enough. Now Chad's so, got to crank it up. Now, I mean, we all did just start off with a shot of Russell's, but uh, <laughs> so you know, tell us a little where you're from, what you do, just for a second. I'm not trying to grill you. Just go ahead. Yeah, I'm consulting forester up in the oh, Upper Chad. Peninsula of Michigan. Oh. <laughs> no, Chad, that stinks. Um, See, it's not bad to not sit by Chad, huh? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, just passing through town, swinging on by. Yeah, so you were doing some foresting down in North Carolina, I saw? Yeah, doing some forestry work down there, counting trees. <laughs> counting trees really, really good, like, though. What what kind of trees you counting? All the trees. <laughs> Pine <laughs> trees, oak trees. Oh, really? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. And complaining about the damn briars down there. Hmm. I'll tell you what, Zach brought up a care package of flies that is second to none, man. <clears throat> this fly right here. This yellow Sweetwater is going to be the number one smallmouth catcher this year. Probably, I'm telling you. Probably in, on the two brown trout trip floats we'll trip, trip trips we'll take. As long as you don't well j- let Jay fish it and it won't get lost in the first You're 10 casts. shut down. You're not going to get on there again until in April. I don't need to be on there until May anyway. I'm just saying it doesn't look like you're going to. Probably not going to be able to get on this month. Well, it's. This month? Oh, I'm not. I'm not worried about this month. I'm talking about when it's going to be good. They're going to shut it down in February because they're going to week. Yeah, because they're going to still got a couple weeks early left. Stock I think it's the seventeenth. I have Something no like idea. Oh, I haven't no even bought my I'm fishing gonna, license yet. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to fish unless I'll be on some ice. But I, 
I went today just Working jacking in the basement, around man. just to get out. Nothing happened doing that. No, there ain't. We Everything's locked of, up. We got three feet of snow up by me, so it's going to be a moment. <laughs> you're going to be a little while. Yeah. So you're the per- perfect person that I need to ask about this. I've been in the market lately for uh, for some snowshoes. Have, have you had any experience with snowshoes? Oh, yeah. Uh, I broke in about every pair you can. Um, if you're looking for something, if you're going to walk on a groomed trail, just wear crampons. I'm looking for just something like a weekend warrior just to take my dog out for a walk back in the woods. Ungroomed trails, un- just nothing. Just Chad, you're going to need the biggest pair ever because you're fat ass to keep you up on top of that snow. <laughs> but, but if you think about me, compared to other people... I'm not super fat. No, I'm get only- a normal pair and get butterfly wings. <laughs> Chad, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend the pair I wear because if they hold my ass up, they'll hold your ass up all day long. I like it. GVY trails, the twelve by forty twos. Twelve by forty two. Best off trail snowshoe you want, unless you want to get fancy with it, then go with Iversons, made right there in Munising, Michigan, up in the UP. But uh, they're wood snowshoes, and when you're tramping through the woods. I like the aluminum. They hold up a little bit. I'm looking to go aluminum, a little bit lighter, maybe. Yeah, the wide trails are the way to go. Okay. You could probably get away with the 12 by 36 or the 11 by 36s just because you guys don't actually get winter down here. But 12 by uh, 42s are what I wear, and they, they'd float a cow. Okay, that's what First I'm one based off Perfect. weather, second one based off your weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> hey, uh, we actually do have a guest this evening, like a phone-in guest also. So uh, if anyone is wanting to listen to that portion of the show, we have Dan Frazier calling in. We're going to talk all things carp and Labrador retrievers because he, uh, he's been running the shit at his lab also. So It's pretty awesome. Yeah, man. Um, hey, I have a boat build. I just cut the transom off of aluminum John boat and cut the back seat out of it. Uh and I'm borrowing a, a spool gun welder this week for my dad. It's going to be a, a pretty epic build for us to uh, to go smallmouth fishing in smaller creeks. I cut about 40 pounds out of the boat cutting that back seat out last night. Nice. And then I'm going to probably cut another 40 pounds out when I cut the middle seat out and just add a different brace in for the, the front deck. Is it really going to matter when you step into it? No. It will. It might counterbalance a little. You know what? It's not going to matter once I step in, but getting the boat to the to where we want to fish, it's going to matter. <laughs> no, but he, no, but he's rowing from the back, like the back. So yeah. short of Slater up front, <laughs> things not getting down. <laughs> we're we're going to be casted from an elevated. We, we don't to, <laughs> we don't need a Yeti to stand. The same on. boat though. The same boat. We used to put you, Slater, and I, yeah, all in. <laughs> Well, I'm, you set yourself up for that one. <laughs> I'm making this boat. It has a bigger front deck, <clears throat> so two people can stand on the front deck, and one person rowing from the way back. That's my game plan. So you have one person then casting <clears throat> over your head? <clears throat> no, two people casting from the front deck. Uh, it would be best gear, people with spinning rods and shit. But one person fly casting, two people spin fishing. Just given the fact that, okay, one person, or you just wear a fucking helmet and have somebody you trust, like me, cast over top of your head. You're the last person I trust. <laughs> I come on, Chad. Some good sled helmets while you're at it. Yeah, just put Chad in the fucking uh, a motorcycle helmet. 
<laughs> I don't wear life jackets, let alone helmets while I'm rowing a boat. <laughs> give you how a do fucking you, nice pair of goggles, you'd be good to go. Come how on, do you bud. expect me to drink beers with a helmet on? We'll make it with two. It'll have like two, you know, two cups on the side of it. You know, <laughs> look like Homer Simpson while yeah, mowing the lawn. Yeah, you <laughs> you got to get the ones where the shield lifts up in the front. Yeah, well, sh- or, or Jimmy ring one of them beer hats on top of it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. See, now we're thinking. But that's going to be the game plan for the for the new little John boat. I don't. I don't foresee it having more than one fisherman, one rower in it. But that's going to be the game plan, and uh. It's going to be a lot of welding and fabricating, but it's going to be... put a motor on that thing? I have a two and a half horsepower outboard with an inboard fuel tank that I a think I'm going to... slick. It's going to be sweet. There you go. And you could put it on the uh, the old uh, bowfin spot, too. Yes. And motor around there. That's the your truck. It's 12 foot, so yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think, 36 wide. Oh, it'll oh, yeah, fit right in the middle of that thing. Yeah. yeah easily oh, shit. And it's not super heavy. Like I said, I just cut 40 pounds out of the back of it. And we cut 40 more out when I cut the middle seat out. Oh, speaking of that, I have a funny story. So I was cutting cutting the transom out, and I look, and I see something bouncing around in the front of the boat. I was like, what the fuck is that? I look down, and I see a mouse run. Like, it was stuck in the, in the, <laughs> the hull of the boat. But it couldn't get up the walls. I was like, oh, fuck. And it was, we're in my garage now, like, not b- up in the shed. It's like, can't let this motherfucker get out. So I looked down, and first thing I saw was an ice fishing rod. So I grabbed the ice fishing rod by the, like, by the middle of the ice fishing rod. And I went to swing it, and it broke right by the, the handle. I was like, oh, God damn it. And the mouse is stuck in the hull of the boat, and it, it's not going anywhere. I was like, oh, what do I do? So I, I turned the, the fishing rod around so I had the, the skinny part that was broken out so I was like I was trying to stab it like skewer the mouse and it it kept moving it wasn't a, like a, a <laughs> oh yeah it's gonna it's gonna lay there and say just let skewer me, me please let me stand here and take this yeah. it wasn't a fixed target stab me with a fucking <laughs> so I was like oh god damn it glass. what no it was, it was like an old bamboo ice rod so it wasn't let me skewer it, so I reached out and grabbed the the old butt handle of the, the ice rod, and I bludgeoned the mouse to death. And I that, thought how I killed porcupines was violent with a shovel. <laughs> and I was trying to tell my wife the story, and she's like, "Chad, shut up, shut up! I don't want to hear about it. Shut up!" <laughs> it was like I was talking about small game hunting and maybe doing a little bit more of that, you know, this coming up year, and. uh my wife's like, I think I, I might be able to do that. And I'm like, so you think you could go out and you could shoot a fucking squirrel. And then, you know, if you don't hit it perfectly and it's over, they're just g- g- gyrating around. Like, yeah, just moving all around. And You'd shit. have the whack its head off a tree. Yeah, exactly. yeah you're, there's no way. I said, you think you could shoot that little bunny rabbit? And she's like, no, no, you're right. I, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> we haven't done this podcast in over two weeks, right? Sure. I haven't told my dog story about my wife's ring. Uh, well, I think that was, wasn't that told on the last one? I don't no. think so. I don't think it was. Uh, okay, well, hey, 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 if you, know, you know better than us. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to 299 episodes now. So, hey. <laughs> my, 300. Touche. In the making. My wife takes her rings off at night and sets them on her nightstand. And last Saturday or <laughs> Sunday... The uh, engagement ring, just, uh, you know, the one that costs more, just went missing. 
I was like, Asher, where the fuck did your ring go? Who's what guy's house did you take that ring off at? Yeah. And she's like, I swear to God, it was here. I swear to God, where I don't know. So we kind of deduced that it went into the dog's belly. We're like, uh, okay. And so we started picking the dog's poo apart, like poking it with a stick. And your dog is how old? My dog is eight months old. Hmm. He's a yellow lab, eight months old. And I was like, oh, poking the dog's poo. And then <laughs> for like three days. And so Tuesday, I get home from work and we get a little bit of snow. And I was like, oh, I'm going to plow the driveway. I plow the driveway and I look over and I see a dog taking a poo by the tree. I was like, oh, there's a dog's taking a poo over there. And... I finished. Did it look painful? No, it, it just looked like I, I noticed the dog taking a poo, and I was like, all right, I'm going to finish doing what I'm doing, because I was plowing the driveway. And then we went over to my mom's house, we ate dinner, and then I went to archery league, and came home, got home about 9 o'clock, and uh, I was pushing the garbage down. To the end at of the this road. point, you've got a nice little buzz on because you already wrestled some guy in the parking lot at Archery. Yes, correct. Correct. <laughs> I was, was fucking there, dude. I did wrestle someone, and I did and horribly. Snowy parking lot. Because my glasses fell off. Yeah. <laughs> it was my first night drinking in over a month. I was like, oh, God. And this is a wily old veteran <laughs> yeah. of being uh, full of shenanigans. Speaking of poo, we should have him on. Oh, Jesus, right. <laughs> but I, I put the garbage can at the end of the driveway, and... I do like any homeowner should, and I took a pee on the road with a garbage can. Are any cars driving by? No, no one drives by this road. That's why I can do that. Then you're better than some youpers. Yeah. So (laughs) I was like, oh, the dog pooed up there. So I pulled my phone out, and I turned the flashlight on on my phone. I was like, where was it? Where was it? And I found an old frozen turd. I was like, here it is. This is the poo. And... Since it was old and frozen, I had gloves on. I reached down and I flicked the turd over. And under the turd, there was a ring. I said, holy shit. Before I touched the ring or anything, I, I took a picture of it. And I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to propose to you again. <laughs> With a shitty ring. <laughs> Man, I was, I was praying to... I said the exact same thing to my wife. I said, I hope he went in there and just proposed to it. With it. Oh, that would be the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> but to her, to her credit, she went and cleaned it off right away. And uh, she's come here. Talk about talk about the ring that you're wearing right now. You're. I, I want to talk about your doo ring. We're we're live on air. You have you can't make dead air. What am I talking about? Talk into the microphone, Ashley. Hi. No, into the microphone. Get closer. I said hi. So, the ring that you're wearing right now. What what goes into the process of cleaning the ring after it goes through the digestive tract of our eight-month-old lab bleach no into the mic bleach so that's it you just bleach it you didn't scrub it with a brush yeah i scrubbed it with a wire brush and then i put it in cleaner for 24 hours did it like fizzle like like when you have a peroxide on a cut no (laughs) it was probably cleaner after it came out of his ass it was very sparkly yeah, because it all didn't the- have any shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what we're wondering, there was no poop on it. <laughs> but but the digestive tract really did clean all the dirt and grime off of it. Minus the hair. 
<laughs> from work. I'm a hairstylist. That's why. <laughs> well, I think my dog hair. No. <laughs> People hair. No. I thought you meant cat hair because he eats the cat's poo, too. Ew, yeah. No, Chad. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Isn't that what dogs do? They're yes. in it. They're in it. All right. Um, <laughs> hey, on that note, I think we should go take a gentleman's break and come back with our guest, Dan Frazier. What do you guys say? Yeah, here's the 300. Let's do it. All righty, guys. And we are back with Dan Frazier. What's going on, my man? Hey, what's up, guys? How we doing? <laughs> Living the dream. Hey, that's just how I wanted to bring you in, like uh, our off-air conversation on on-air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if that's safe. I don't know if the, if the off-air conversation is safe for work. It's probably not, but uh, <laughs> that's SVS after dark. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's SB- no SBS only fan. That's what that is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's for the Patreon members. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That goes from funny to Jay being labeled online. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's dark <laughs> web only. Yeah, yeah, it goes from funny to Jay having to register. That's yeah. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not going there. <laughs> Then my wife would really want to divorce me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, it just wouldn't be podcast fodder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. So are you guys fishing right now or what? It's it's, it's frozen up here. It's all solid. Everything, hard water. Everything's hard here, too. Yeah, it sucks. You guys punched any holes in the ice? Uh, we personally are not, but Jace, our, uh, our resident pinner, is missing <laughs> yeah. the, the show tonight because he's punching holes somewhere. He, he's also a resident ice fisherman. He's the only real man of the whole group, huh? Because I don't punch any holes in the ice either, boys. Yeah. Uh, we we actually interviewed um, Stephen Weissner a couple years back, and he said it's like waterfowl hunting through a chimney. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny, man. It it was a great way to describe ice fishing. <laughs> that, that is pretty funny. You know, even our flowing water had shelves 15 feet hanging out over on it today like you're fly- throwing your fly on the sh- like ice shelf and dragging it off of it yeah it sucks i've been there it's not that's just not even fun plus it's dangerous man you don't want to be walking out on those ice shelves you may never come back exactly that's uh, what well, I, I just read that the coast guard had to save 18 people off some ice flow in lake erie today that was probably was that probably was probably jace, jace. probably yeah I, I thought maybe it was you guys no no <laughs> jace is out there though he was head to lake erie uh oh! Wow, big chunk of ice broke off. Big chunk of ice broke off, and a whole bunch of people got stranded out there. And the Coast Guard had to do what they called a mass rescue and get them off. Speaking of, that, have you talked to him? I haven't talked to him, and he's not here. <laughs> no, but I can tell you. I did what. talk to him when he was on his way up, though, on Friday. If he saw it happening, can you imagine the freaking group chat? With the pictures of all these helicopters and all this stuff. If no, if nobody around knows Jace, he doesn't breathe when he talks. He just talks and talks and talks and talks. Oh my god! <laughs> he like he can breathe or he can like talk on an inhale. Yeah, that's what he, he's learned to talk while inhaling. He's like the tenacious D thing with the inward breathing. The inward, oh, bre- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Tenacious D. <laughs> oh man! Oh. 
Speaking of that, Dan, did you listen to uh, Corolla Classics yesterday with Teddy Pendergrass? I, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. Teddy and a little bunglu Sue. Oh, man. I almost peed my pants yesterday while I was cutting my boat apart. Yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah, no, it was, that was absolutely unbelievable. Talk about classic. Jeez. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's good. So that's, uh, if anyone doesn't know, that's where Dan and I became like really close friends. We used to listen to Corolla to get, not together, but in the text about it. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. call each other and listen on speakerphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was very romantic. It was. No, we would, uh, <laughs> No, but I could. You could always tell which one of us had gotten up earlier because they'd be texting the other one, and be like, "Did you hear?" And be like, "No, no, don't say anything yet. I haven't heard it yet." <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. I absolutely love uh, uh, when David Ellinger used to be on the show. I don't know if he's on anymore though. He is not. He thinks uh, he's uh, not a big fan of Adam anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the world we live in, right, boys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't be friends with people you don't agree with anymore. I know, I know. I don't have any friends left. Exactly, me neither. That's why Chad and I hate each other anymore. (laughs) Some of us make exceptions for carp fishermen. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, well, you got to be careful for those dirty carp fishermen. Speaking of that, Dan, do you have any uh, trips planned for this year? Are you doing the uh, the Lake Michigan deal with uh, the boys? Yeah, hopefully. This is a weird year because Ella turns or Ella graduates. And so uh, there are things like graduation and graduation parties and all this stuff that I've got to coordinate with uh, uh, family and extended family. So that's a long way of saying I really think I'm going to get out there, but it, it's not impossible that uh, I get uh, I get sort of, you know, obligation out of it. But uh, at this point, it's on and, and I'm going to I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to try to get out there if, there if at all possible. I think um, water levels, hopefully, I mean, last year the levels were really tough. So hopefully water levels get, get a little bit more more conducive to fishing because I think those those boys got their got their uh, their faces ripped off out there and last when, spring. When you say tough, you mean low. Uh, well, okay, so I'm trying to remember. They had gotten very low, and then they had, I think they were exceptionally high. Now, maybe the other way around. I don't know. I just know it was an extreme change from uh, from the pattern it had been on, and uh, um, so so they were up uh, uh, in the, all of the uh, fishable water that that they'd been working on for a decade was no longer fishable, and um, and so it was it was a lot of walk and a lot of empty empty flats. It sounded like. I think uh, you know I'm up in Michigan, Dan. Uh... What happened is we had been a 10-year high, and then it got back down to like a 50-year average. Is what happened. Yeah, that's it. That's right. And it, and and it was so it was you you yeah you nailed it. And so it came down, uh yeah to a much much more reasonable level than it had been. But that that had, wasn't the level they were accustomed to fishing. You know, so so their water was all kinds of wrong. They also may have just missed <laughs> some timing too, because it seems like the fish just weren't up in the in the shallows. <laughs> There's a lot of timing that goes on with that trip too. Are you getting ready like a like John is and tying all the the crazy carp leeches and uh, bunny bunny flies for the carp? Yep, yep, yep. I've been uh, I've been tying them. I got a bunch of them from last year that I've already got tied up, and uh, but I'm just I'm tying a whole bunch more. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, you know big uh, sculpiny patterns. A lot of big bunny leeches. Uh, great big hunks of meat, man. It's real exciting. I I, I decided. <laughs> 
I don't know why I got to learn things four or five times. Probably because I'm a carp fisherman. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I had so many of them tied up for last year that I thought, you know, I'm going to try these around here. They got to work at some point. And, um, and I was quickly reminded that the fish here don't eat those flies. So I had to put them all away and wait for, wait for this coming year. Is but it, yeah. It, just out of pure curiosity in your area, is that an option to take them and use them for walleye? Yeah, they they great great. I mean, I've catch that's I'll catch everything but carp on them, walleye, smallies, a lot of smallies. Um, uh, you know, pike if I can keep them from biting me off. Uh, anything that was more aggressive really likes those uh, those big bait fish patterns. But but the carp run from them like uh, like they've been shot at. It's very uh, disappointing. So because. <laughs> I'd love to have them chase one down and eat it, but they just ain't going to do it. Is it when, when the fly splats in the water that they don't like that, or is it the actual fly in the water that they don't like? They just don't eat things that big out here. And so I can lead a fish a long ways, have it rested on the sand, waiting for him to come up, and I start stripping it away, and that fish will just turn and peel off the other direction. Really? You almost have, yeah, to, find an, the, you almost have to find an area where they're just exclusively eating crayfish or forced to there. Yeah. 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 And I, I do have a few of those places, uh, like some, some bigger, um, uh, reservoirs that are kind of sterile and, and things like that, where they've, where they, uh, um, they do eat the big crayfish or the big, um, bait fish patterns, but 90% of my fishing is in real rich habitats and they're just used to eating that, that little stuff. I, frankly, I don't even think they recognize it as a food, as something that would potentially be food they just it's just another moving creature in front and it kind of startles them and they run away and instead of breaking on the fly they break away from the fly just competition to them yeah i guess yeah exactly so they'll they'll move um so yeah and uh, but yes I'm, I'm looking forward to that one that that's coming uh coming up i've got a warm-up trip um to cuba here in a few weeks which will be exciting um that's my return trip to cuba and then um and then the spring, if if I can keep it all together, uh, is I've got my Belize trip because everything that's been that I had agreed to do or wanted to do over the last two years kind of all got piled into this spring when when things started moving again. You know, it's all coming together now. Yeah, I'm gonna have to fucking quit my job or something. I don't know how I'm gonna make this all work. But... <laughs> Who cares? Quit your job. They make new jobs every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, I got a lot, I got a lot of good stuff coming up if, if I can, if I can uh, make it all happen. So let, let's go chronologically then Cuba. What are you chasing? Are you going bonefish? You going tarpon? You going permit? What, what's the deal there? Uh, it will be primarily, so, uh, it'll be primarily, um, bonefish and permit. Uh, there will be resident tarpon around. Um, and I, that's, you know, those, those are great fish to get 40. 40 pound, you know, resonant tarpon. Um, but, uh, but for me, primarily it'll be a bonefish and permit, uh, uh, trip because I've already caught a lot of tarpon and I've caught a, a lot of bonefish, but I don't have a permit yet. So I, I want to spend as much time as they'll, as they'll, uh, as the guide's willing to devote to just looking for a permit to try to get, I think that'd be cool. And I, and it's a good place to get them. They're, they're, you know, not as pressured. And, and so they, they seem to be, um, uh, a little less spooky, a little more willing to eat a fly, at least at least from what my buddies have told me that have been down there. So, um, yeah, that's that's going to be a fun one, man. I'm I'm real excited about that. So you're on a vice 
uh, tying crab flies for that as well? Or are you just going to mooch flies off your guide or what, what's the deal for that? Fly you know, th- this is a crazy story. So you guys know who Dan Blanton is? Uh, I've heard the name. Yeah. Dan, uh, invented like the flashtail whistler. And, yeah. And yeah, a yeah. Number of flies. Dan's like a hall of famer. And, uh, uh, him and I got to know each other a little bit and, um, I helped him out with some intel on a couple of carp trips he was taking and stuff. Dan's uh, older now. He was really, you know, uh, he's been fishing for, he's been fly fishing around the world forever. And, um, and when he heard I was going to Cuba the first time, I got a box from him and it had all of his saltwater flies in it. Cause he said, I'm too old to go wade those flats anymore. I can't do it anymore. So here you go. So I have, crabs and bonefish flies and tarpon flies i have boxes and boxes of them it's really really cool of him to have sent those all to me some of them i'm gonna have to just like you know save because dan's a real famous fly tire and i'd I'd like to to uh hang on to him but some of them i'm gonna go see if i can catch a permit with heck yeah man that sounds awesome Um, yeah dude it was cool of him i don't know i I don't know what came over him but it was real sweet of him to send them all along and you said you've You've been bone fishing before and had success bone fishing. Does your yeah. does your carp knowledge transfer to bone fish bone fishing at all? Like the flat style fishing? Yeah, it, it, some of it does. Uh, my ability to see fish certainly does, um, which is a big deal. Um, you know, seeing learning to see a fish under the water, especially on a flat with you know waves and sunlight, and just recognizing what you're looking for, the patterns you're looking for, and stuff. Uh, is it, it can take a little while. And, and so it, the carp stuff definitely translates uh, from that perspective. Uh, uh, bonefish are much more aggressive than carp. Um, but y- y- I also, so they'll chase a fly down. There's a lot more stripping going on than I had, than I'm used to. But, um, uh, but you know, I can see them. I know where they are. I'm pretty good at making the cast to sort of intercept them. And then, uh, and so I've got, you know, I'd say it gets me 75% of the way there. Uh, it, it, it at least doesn't feel wildly unfamiliar when I'm out there. You know, it, it feels like something I know what's going on and, um, and I can, you know, pick up and make a cast relatively quickly with relative, with a significant amount of accuracy and things like that. So it, it has helped with that a lot. <clears throat> it's, it, you know, where it's helped more actually is probably in my red fishing. Redfish tend to be a little more stationary. Uh, they'll chase a fly, but there are oftentimes, uh, at least in the situations I fish them, they're um, they're they're feeding a little more stationarily, uh, kind of in one spot, tailed up and and working slowly, and that's a lot more like my carp do. So, um, uh, so that one that that gets to be real familiar feeling. But yeah, it's definitely uh, some some uh, crossover with the with the bones and 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 their uh, at least the methods, you know, the flies are small. The, the, the situation is very familiar. And speaking of the flies being small and you're not throwing crab patterns per se, like you would for the permits. Are there any flies that would transfer over from carp guys to bonefish guys? Or is that just, uh, not really the case? You know, it's a great question. Um, there's small I'm, shrimp that's why I'm here, Dan. patterns. Yeah, you do a good job. Uh, it's a small, it's a small shrimp patterns usually, and uh, and so there is there is some crossover there. I know that there's a lot of carp flies, like the the crazy Charlie has been modified for uh, uh, carp fly. Um, th- there's a number of carp flies that are 
kind of patterned on or at least based on the same concept, right? We've got to get it to the right hook point up. It's got to sink relatively quickly. Uh, you got to be able to strip it along the bottom. Um, and so I think there's a lot more uh, relationship between a bonefish fly and a carp fly. There's more uh, there than there is between a, a permit fly, in my opinion, and a carp fly. The permit fly is because they're crabs. They tend to be relatively large, uh, at least large for carp flies. They're, they're, you know, round and uh, um, and kind of staticky, right? I mean, I don't mean like you get electric shock from them, but I mean like they're, they're they don't breathe underwater or anything. They're just sort of a static shape. Um, but uh, um, so yeah, there's a lot of flies. I probably most of the early carp flies were just modifications of bonefish patterns, just a crayfish collar or damsel collar. Yep. Yep, exactly. Cray, yep, crayfish or damsel color, uh, maybe a little, uh, you know, uh, bonefish flies tend to be kind of ethereal, like they're they're almost translucent often, and they're like a little shrimp, right? So they're kind of a like a, a light pink and, and a lot of flash, and it, you can almost see through them, and so the carp flies tend to be more dense uh, and, and sort of um, solid colors and things like that, uh, make them a little more visible in that dark water where... Um, you know, a lot of times you're you're trying to get some contrast in some dirty water and stuff like that. Um, uh, but yeah, but but so, so there's a little bit of color, maybe a little bit uh, heavier on the materials. Um, but uh, and then stouter hooks for the carp flies than the bonefish flies. I got tired of breaking off bonefish flies on my carp, and I had to just uh, completely abandon that idea that I could translate those over. Unfortunately, they're the right size. They're just the the gauge is just not what i need it to be and they were snapping or really? straightening constantly so what are you using for bonefish flies that that aren't working for carp yeah let's see i got my bonefish <clears throat> flies here somewhere uh let's see because you'd think saltwater hooks would be heavier heavier gauge you know they are they're heavier gauge than trout hooks for sure um but they're they're not as heavy as like uh is what you're using uh, for carp Right, yeah. So, like an SL forty-five bonefish fly, a gamagatsu, um, you know, it's a, it's a nice hook, but it's a significantly, you know, smaller gauge than than I would be using for uh, um, for carp, which you know would maybe be like a glow bug fly or, or something along those lines. Well, like an SL twelve um, S would would be like, would that be equivalent for carp to bonefish, or is that too big of a yeah, bonefish? No. Nah. Yeah, that's getting, that's a, that's about right. I think that'd be about equivalent. Like the SL15s are, uh, are 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 you know much too too fine uh, a material, and they'll they'll straighten on me um, a lot. Um, so it's it's unfortunate because the shape I'm looking for is is right in the bonefish flies oftentimes, but I just I can't get the I can't get the gauge I'm, I need, so I, I have to just go with like a like I said, like a glow bug or a, like a C14S or something like that. And, um, and then, you know, you, then you don't have exactly the right shape on your fly body, but you're pretty close. And, and you're fishing a lot lighter tippet for carp than, than we do per se. What, yeah. What are you fish? What are you fishing for bonefish then? Oh, that's a good question. You, you know, you um, know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I'm fishing my carp, like I'm fishing, I'll probably fish about the same tippet. That's a good, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm fishing like a two one X or two X tippet on my, um, uh, on my, my carp flies, but I, and I fish mono. 
I'll be fishing fluoro for for uh, for the bones, and I'd probably fish a two one or two x for that too. Now that now that you mention it, so maybe I need to maybe I need to rethink how that combination with those hooks works. But um, um, but yeah, that's that's a that's traditionally how I've done it. Now at some level, when you're bone fishing, you are at the mercy of the guides because they do not like your equipment to fail. Uh, meaning the and then have them not get a fish or a tip because you didn't get a fish because your equipment failed. So I'll fish whatever they tell me I, I need to. And uh, but I'll fish my you know my rod and reel. But the, the, oftentimes they want to take off my leader and tip it and put on their own. Um, and that's fine. Tie their own knots and things like that, which I understand. I lost. Uh, I had a, a number of snafus this year with the guys on my boat uh, for carp that made me appreciate why people why guides say you know what i'm gonna cut what you just did off and redo it by myself <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like sitting here like almost cringing thinking man i don't know that i can let someone put a musky leader on without you know that that's a tough one too yeah absolutely oh absolutely same same yeah and and i you know what you got to respect it because <clears throat> if there's going to be a failure i do not want it to be as the angler, I do not want it to be where then the guide looks at me like you dumb ass. <laughs> look at the, look at the pigtail on that. You know, I, I'd rather have theirs be the one that pigtails than mine. Exactly. Blame it on them. Then that way you That's wouldn't right. have to tip them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It, although it's funny because on my first trip to um, uh, Cuba, I had never fished for um, tarpon before. And we got down there, and the guy was with Bob, uh, was hosting this trip, and I was there along for the ride. And um, wow, it, it's a long story, but we were going to meet somebody there. This guy who was also coming was going to tie all of our um, tie up all the tarpon leaders for the group for everybody, because the the guides didn't have tarpon leaders in, in Cuba. They they would. Uh, that you were expected to bring your own because the material is really hard to procure. And so, um, unfortunately the guy who was going to help us out, uh, proceeded to get lit up and, uh, the night we were supposed to tie him and, uh, just kind of vanished on us. And so Bob was like, Dan, we're going to learn how to tie tarpon leaders. And we got out, uh, uh, YouTube and we learned how to tie tarpon leaders. And we sat there all night with, with rolls of fluoro and tied tarpon leaders by hand. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then just crossed our fingers and prayed and it seemed to work. I don't remember anybody complaining. I know I caught a number of tarpon, so I had to learn how to tie the figure eight knots and stuff, but we got it done. You saved the day. Well, I don't know about that, but I, at least nobody got hurt in the process. So that's good. So did you learn the slim beauty in the process? Yeah, I had to learn to tie the slim beauty. Um, uh, when I used to host people for sailfish. Um, so that one I knew, but there was some figure eight knots and things like that to, for making the loop to loop connections that I didn't know. And, and, uh, uh, my buddy Trevor ties a bimini, uh, for all of his carp leaders. Um, and he showed me how to do it a number of times, but I'd never actually accomplished it satisfactorily, at least on my own, but, uh, I had to learn how to do it down there. So I, we got it all done. It took a long time to tie my first and second and third, but then eventually it got, you know, got a little easier, a little easier. So do you do biminis now for your carp leaders? Oh, I couldn't tie a bimini now again. I have to say, I'd have to get YouTube out again. 
I tell you, I did like twelve of them in one night, and then that was that's about the that's the last time you've done it. <laughs> yeah, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> it's insane. That knot is amazing. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so so uh, 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 so yeah. That that luckily um, we did. If if we'd come back the first day and like. Seven guys had lost tarpon because leader failure. They might have just kicked me off the boat. I don't know what would have happened. You would have had to come back to America like Italy and Gonzalez. <laughs> no, I'd still be stuck in Cuba. They'd be all be back here five five years later. I'd still be trying to get a message out to my family. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you remember who Ilya Gonzalez was? Oh yeah, I remember Ilya Gonzalez. I remember that. That was a big deal, man. Yeah, I remember seeing him on Channel One in high school. I don't know where he did. They what ended up happening with Ilian? Did he go back? I don't have any idea what happened to Ilian. <laughs> no, Twenty years ago. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, please. We'll have to do some research. Especially since we're the especially since we're the only people listening who have any idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Max Zapata, get on that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So you're going to Belize then shortly after, correct? Yeah, yep, yep. yep. That, We're going to go down. Is that a makeup trip in case you don't catch a permit in Cuba? Well, uh, uh, it was. It will work out that way, luckily. Uh, this one was, we were supposed to go April of 2020. And so, you know, the world shut down in March of 2020. And then the, it kept getting pushed back because, remember, it was two weeks to flatten the curve. So they pushed it back for a month. And then they pushed it a few more months. And then we decided to wait till fall. And then it was next year in the fall and then there was a surge and so it's just been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and uh but now it's finally going to happen and um and because of the timing it should work out that if i do cuba and then belize and i don't get a get a, get a permit um this this spring you know i've blown two pretty world-class chances at it i maybe just be i may be retiring my my permit uh rods yeah because those are the two best places to go for permit, correct? Exactly, exactly, right. Yeah, exactly. That's if you're going to get them, those are two really good places to get them. So, uh, so that'll be permit. Uh, the the snook will be fun. We'll fish some snook down there in the mangroves and stuff. Um, and then another bonefish uh, excursion. So, uh, um, that'll be. Uh, you know, I love catching bonefish. They're they're really they're really you know that's a fun fish to catch. So. Um, yeah, I'll be all salt watered out, guys. I'll come back. I'll be, I'll be. Uh, and when is that yeah. trip? Uh, that is in. That's in uh, April. Yeah. Really? Yep. Uh, yep. And, so. And then when you get back, it's time for time for carp in South Dakota. Yeah. So yeah. So it's going to be. Oh God! Let's see. The end of February is Cuba. The middle of April is Belize. And then uh, carp will be moving by then at beginning of May when I get back. If I get to go to Michigan, that'll be early June, first week in June. And uh, then we'll be into the heart of the season, man. Gosh. Man. So you, you come into your carping season with a nice, nice sunny tan. I will look so browner good. browner than hell, man. <laughs> uh, I'm a redhead with blue eyes, um, and so I'll be. I'm, I only go between ghost and tomato. Yeah, he's gonna look like your hoodie right now, Jay. Yeah, <laughs> he's wearing a, a blaze red hoodie. Dan, I That's feel right. your pain, man. Oh, I, I yeah, I, I'm I'm married to one of those redhead with blue eyes. Yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, it'll be so. I look awesome uh, when I'm in the uh, in the salt water because I've got 
long sleeves, hood up, uh, buff on, sunglasses on, long pants. Don't even wear flip flops. I made that mistake one time. I wore flip flops and sunburned the top of my feet. Oh, oh! I couldn't wear shoes for a week. Oh, it was terrible. You had to call for work when you got back, probably. I had to. I was limping around. It was terrible. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. So yeah, no, I look like an idiot when I'm out there. I'm covered from head to toe. So are yeah. you? While you're down in the uh, the exotic areas. Are you going to ask the guides if you can pull them around for a moment, get back in practice? Uh, it's funny you should mention that. Um, I probably will. I love pulling. I love pulling a boat and, and having an angler on the front. And so um, if uh, if I fish with the same guide for enough days, uh, I, I will ask him if, if I can pull and he, and he can fish. And then you um, can plus, make fun of his casts. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. I can be the one that sees the fish and starts yelling at him. No, 12 o'clock, 60 feet, you idiot. Because, you know, you got all that elevation difference. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, plus, I like to try pulling other boats just because it's, it's, it's interesting to learn how differently they move, right? And, and how, which ones are slicker and which ones uh, um, turn tighter. So I was down in uh, South Carolina this fall. Yeah, and uh, and my buddy had just gotten a new Maverick flats boat, and so I asked him to let me pull for for a few hours, and uh, while he fished, and uh, um, you know, just to see the difference. So I will ask him. I I don't know though. The Cuban guides will probably tell me no. The Belizean guides might might let me. The Cuban guides are um, their bedside manner is not always the best. <laughs> yeah. I, I see like the like the pull in the boat, like I spend like literally every day, all day I tie flies and one thing I do is I listen to a lot of saltwater stuff and like interviews. And I, yep. I think that like pulling would be just like us with rowing a boat. You know, it's like you, you see a new one, it's like, okay, like I want to row it and see how it feels and you know, it's it's the similarities I can see that like it almost like like it it would be so interesting to pull a boat. It'd be it'd be awesome. Yeah, that is exactly right. And it's funny because you'll 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 hear these guys or talking about like well you know then how the conditions change right you know if i if i'm pulling in current because i've got an incoming and the wind and i got a crosswind you know uh does it move to the side and all that kind of stuff it it really starts to get intriguing uh it does remind me a lot so i haven't done much rowing at all um and the couple times i've tried like i mean i am terrible at rowing a drift boat and you know and, and and you then you watch guys like crab walk all the way across the river and all of this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, um, and, and, and it, it reminds me a little bit of that because I've had, <laughs> I've had people get on the back of my boat who haven't pulled before. I mean, should I let my brother pull me one time? And he managed to get us stuck three times. So finally I was like, you get down, you don't get to push the boat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he just push us right up into the, under the flat. I'm like, what are you doing? Can't you see that? Anyway. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a challenge as a, as there's a certain skill to it and you just, it gets interesting to learn about how different boats handle different, uh, different conditions and which ones are lighter for pushing, but, but what that means when the wind blows and, you know, all that stuff is, is, is really interesting to learn. How important is the push pull? I mean, is like the difference in the pulls, I mean, material, what have you, does it make a, you know, a massive difference in them? Yeah, it makes a 
absolutely huge difference. So my first pole was a fiberglass, 21 foot fiberglass pole. Um, and, uh, it, uh, it was heavier than hell compared to my current pole. And I didn't even realize it until I got the, got a new one. I got a carbon fiber one, which I got a story about that for you guys. Uh, uh, but, um, it, it, it just a, in terms of you, literally your arms just wearing out from, from lifting it all day, um, makes a big difference, but also you just become a lot more, you have a lot more dexterity. You can move it quicker. If, if, if you're trying to get the boat turned, um, you can, uh, um, uh, you know, pick it up and flip it around faster, things like that. So the weight made a big difference, but also the flexibility of the pole makes a big difference too. Um, because, you know, you're standing on a platform and pushing, right? And so you can imagine, like, if it's got too much give, you about fall off the back or you could fall off the back. Um, you certainly don't want anything to snap. Um, if you have uh, – um, uh, but if it's too stiff, you, you kind of – you lose – there are times when you're, like, propping it against your 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 thigh and sort of spinning the boat with it. And if it's too stiff, you'll, you'll – you, you know, won't be able to do that or you may knock yourself off. So – there's a, there's, there's a, the pole makes a really big difference. Um, when I got my, my new stiffy, uh, um, carbon fiber, 21 foot carbon fiber, I ordered it and <laughs> I don't know, there might've been a better way, but two of two, me and my buddy talk who was down there, this is the best we could come up with. Uh, you can't ship something that's 21 feet long. No. And, uh, and so the way people do this when they get their new ones is they just drive down with their boat because you can't put something that's 21 foot in the back of a truck either. Um, so they drive down with their boat and then they throw it on the boat and drive it back. Well, I'm in South Dakota, so I ain't driving nowhere. That's a long boat ride. Right. Right. So we did some research and it turns out that you can ship something that's seven feet long. So Tuck went and bought my brand new carbon fiber push pole, brought it back to his house and hacksawed it into three pieces. What? And yes, and then boxed it up as one seven foot long <laughs> pole and when it was, you know, three pieces um, and sent it to me with splices. And then when I got it, I put the splicers in and epoxied the whole thing back into one piece. Um, and, uh, it's worked so far. Wait. I did at one point take in a whole bunch of water because one of my epoxy seams leaked and then I had a pole full of water, which is a real problem. But, uh, by the grace of God, I managed to, uh, to get the water out and, uh, and get it re-epoxy closed. So, so we, we all know push poles are not cheap in, yeah, in, it's, in the it, least it, bit. I, no, I almost cried at this, at this, I was like, I, I because there was a very good chance this was not going to work. What, right? I mean, <laughs> what did your buddy Tucker think when he was hacksawing a brand new push pole into thirds? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Or, yeah. He didn't buy it. He, he, was, he didn't give a shit. Well, <laughs> he make these every so, day. Right. It was, it was the, 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 the great thing is it was his idea. Uh, because it was because it was not his pole. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm going to cut this man. Don't know. Don't, like, don't do that. Yeah. Just send it. This is uh, yeah. This is why you don't have friends in South Carolina. They think of genius things like cutting your pole into pieces. <laughs> and send it to you. I know some guys in Ohio that would do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. L- luckily, he didn't suggest we split it all the way down the center or something. That I could have seen that. But um, 
Yeah. So uh, I, I, I don't know what I would do when I, if uh, I'm not sure if, it, if there's got to be some other way to get it up here. I mean, certainly they ship things that are 21 feet long for yeah, other purposes, but called, I don't know yeah, what on the truck. They're called cars. Yeah. Find a car yeah, hauler. I, <laughs> you know, no kidding. Can you just throw this on the back? Yeah. <laughs> well, well the, the way I got my boat here was cause it was from South Carolina. Uh, that you couldn't, like I had a service that like has people around the country that drive their boats places. And so this, this dude just showed up with a pickup with my boat on the back one day, like my pit with boat trailer and boat on the back. He's like, here you go. Thanks. See ya. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? I thought it was coming on like a, you know, a semi with, uh, you know, seven other boats that were going to different boat dealers in the area or something. But, Nope, it was just a dude in a jacked up Ford F one fifty. And then he was like he's like, I'm on my way to I'm on my way to Denver and he took off. I'm like, all right. Have yeah. a good trip to Denver. So I I don't know if you know, but I, I recently switched jobs and now I deal with selling semis. We had Really? One, yeah, we had one that went to Vancouver last week. Guy just picked it up at our shop in Youngstown, Youngstown, Ohio, and drove it to fucking Vancouver. Really? Yeah. But that is the weirdest thing to me. I don't know why. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but that's weird. Yeah, I know. You oh, buy a truck. Places I've what, sold you cars fucking to? Uber on the Uber back or what? I think I sold cars to 35 states or something like that. It's ridiculous. People just flying in or driving. Yeah. It don't matter. It's Yeah, this guy flew crazy. in and drove it back to Vancouver. Oh, okay. He drove it back. To, okay, yes. he flew in and drove back. That makes more sense. But, yeah, it's goofy, man. They'll, they'll do that. And then... You can put, you find someone that's doing that. And you can throw a push pole on, and have them drop it off that's, on the way. That's what I'm doing next time. <laughs> next, gonna, if you find enough Western unions, you can send everything <laughs> to Africa too. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That so, is funny. So your push pole, when it flexes, can you feel the? Uh, let, let's for. Uh, no use of a better word, call them a furl. Yeah, they're can, furl. That's there. Yeah. Can you feel them like flexing? Uh, so, or? Yeah, I can feel. Yes, yes, yes. I can tell. I, I can tell that there are joints. Um, I don't know how much of a difference it's making, but some. Um, and and luckily they sell kits, right? That have these 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 ferals and the. Um, uh, epoxies. Uh, so I, they're intended for this, but yeah, there's definitely like a, a hard section in the, in, in two spots. And I don't, I wish it wasn't that way, but I didn't, don't have any other choice. Um, and it maybe it probably makes a little bit of difference It certainly adds some weight. And, uh, and then that big risk of you just didn't get it all the way sealed and it takes on water. And, and, you know, once it's the water's inside of it, getting it out is, uh, you know, I, I got really lucky that I was able to get the water out. Yeah. Then if I have one of those seals crack, it's going to take on water again. And I don't know, it doesn't seem like a good plan, but so far, so good. If a seal cracks, can you put something inside of it to almost make it more rigid around that seam and slide it over it? That's a good idea. That's a good idea. So, you know, it has the ferrule inside the way, the way it's, uh, um, 
you know, the way it was repaired is you ba- it's basically spliced together, right? So it's got a ferrule that slid in one side and slid in the other, that, and there's epoxy around that whole thing, and then you have to epoxy that theme also. And uh, and I'm two seasons in with the seams holding up so far, but I also get nervous, like, I'm sure it's fine, but you know, it gets damn cold here, and then it gets damn hot, and... I don't know what's happening to that pole right now. It's sitting out there at 20 below zero. Uh, it can't be. There's some expansion and contraction going on. I just, I hope it's, uh, it, it continues to hold, you know. Have you ever thought of like a fiberglass patch? Like you might put on a, like, you know, a layer of fiberglass and epoxy like you would on a fiberglass boat or canoe or something like that over your uh, um, seams there? Now that's a great idea. I had not thought about that, but that would that would definitely seal them forever. Yeah, I should do that. It would, but the, I should do. it would also add probably two pounds. I would just guess. Yeah, see, that's, see my, the whole pole is five pounds. No, I don't think it would be five pounds. You don't have to put it on that thing, No, he said the whole pole is five pounds. Oh, I thought you said you'd add it on, you'd add on two pounds. I said it, it would probably. I'm if just you guessing. just did the seam area, I don't think it would add on two pounds. Probably add a half a pound, maybe? That wouldn't be terrible. I don't know. I, I guess I, how thick you put it on there. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, okay. I, I, that's that's not a bad idea. If I have a, if I do get in, end up with another leak, I'll have to figure something else out. Yeah, uh, cross that, 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 cross that bridge that when you a, come to it. Yeah, yeah well, that was a rough day. On, I'm surprised you can't find those on every corner in South Dakota. You know, it's just such a you surprise should, yeah. to me. Yeah, Jeez, you Cra- every Craigslist ad, twenty-one yeah. foot stiffy yeah. push. Oh, I know, yeah, yeah. You can't find a tree. One in free to home. <laughs> yeah. As yeah. great as it no. has, as great as it's been I, talking to you about your stiffy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I really, I want to hear more about uh, the dog and you know how how the dog's been doing and training the dog. We got uh, into it off air a little bit and then got a, a little, you know, got a little sideways on the dog talks to. The, Let's get back to that talk. <laughs> yeah, for a little yeah, while. No, here. he's been great, man. Leo's been great. So he's two years old <laughs> today. Hey, happy birthday, uh, Leo! Yeah, good boy. He's had too many treats. My daughter's buying strawberries and uh, and whipped cream because I she somehow convinced herself that that's his favorite treat, and I don't have the heart to tell her he'd rather have a you know a cow liver <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but and and he got a pup cup this morning from Starbucks. He's he's living the dream today. Um, did uh did Ella yeah, make a goofy been... ass Starbucks order for the pup cup? She no, she uh, um, uh, she does uh, you know, goes and gets her own goofy ass order, and then uh, and then you know gets the stu- gets gets a pup cup to bring home to him. Um, and she's at work right now taking goofy ass orders at Starbucks, so she she better remember to bring. I better for text her text or she or she could be mad if she forgets. <laughs> she could be mad, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's been he's been awesome. You know, we got him. I got him. <laughs> well, so it'll be. I'll have had him for two years in April because you know we waited for him to be. Uh, uh, he was must have been almost ten weeks old when we finally got him. Um. And uh, it's been great, you know, I mean, learning how to train a dog and, and I took him and having some help, having some people around here who do some dog training that worked with him a little bit. Um, and uh, and then, 
you know, me having to learn what I'm doing and, and then getting to spend, I mean, I was just counting cause I did my, my harvest survey. Um, and I think Leo and I spent, we probably were in the field, uh, uh, oh gosh, I, 25 or 30 days this season, uh, oh. this hunting season. Holy smoke. Um, nice. Yeah. Not, not necessarily full days. Um, you know, cause, uh, I have, but if I knocked off work early and got out at, you know, three and we could go out and hunt for a couple hours um when i added it all up i think we were probably close to 30 days that that he got to hunt and it's been awesome watching him come along and it's just it's really been amazing man it's been awesome and he's so good oh god he's so good at his job Whew. i i've noticed you've taken a lot of people out hunting have, yes have you got to shoot a lot of birds yourself or yeah uh i harvested uh about 52 pheasants this year that's it um yeah uh yeah that's all um and if i had a shot straight i probably could have harvested 80 i was but, gonna ask um, you that was next <laughs> the last day of the season oh man poor leo the last day of the season it's hard man they're out you know we're hunting mostly public ground we're hunting real close to sioux falls uh which is our major metropolitan area so where all the pressure is most of our hunting's within 30 minutes of, of sioux falls and um so the birds are smart and skittish and uh um they're they're tough man they've either learned how to evade dogs or they just you know the minute the truck door closes you watch them start pouring out the other end of the field right and um and leo has just consistently all year found them and got them up for me and and we shot them and so the last day of the year i took work off and it was last monday and we went out and uh he got up so the first rooster he got up, I whiffed on, which is always bad, man. That's bad because it was a nice, easy shot, and I whiffed. And then all of a sudden, I'm up in my head, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe I didn't get the butt of the shotgun all the way up. But I got to get my cheek on the thing. You know, you start thinking, got to lead him, right? Um, and uh, and the second one came, and I hit. And then I proceeded to miss five roosters that day. So a total of six birds I missed, and uh, we only brought home one. And he was pissed. So, by the last one, he was by the last two roosters. He was like, "I don't even know why I'm doing this for you anymore. I, I'll just go lay in the truck. Why don't I just go sleep? Why are you making me run around out here?" So, oh, it so, was terrible. So missing the first rooster is like catching a fish on your first cast. Yeah, it is exactly right. I mean, it's just or you know, yeah, that's exactly that's it. or having something like like uh, um, I don't know, man. It just gets in your head, you know, because it's it, everything's so fast and so. If, if I'm just working on instinct, I'm good. But if I start thinking about it, oh, baby, we got problems. It's like trying to correct your cast, you know? It's like, oh, you're in trouble if you start thinking about your cast. Oh, yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, and so so I did have a number of those this year. I did have a few times I, that I got real, got hit cold streaks. But, uh, but we only had one or two outings all year when we didn't come back with a pheasant. So we, we together, we both did pretty well, I think. Nice. Um, and you harvested 52, you said. Yes. That's one bird for every week of the year. Hey, hey. I hadn't thought about that. I could, I could eat pheasant now because of the, uh, possession limits. I've had to be, I mean, look, I made, I made pheasant fried rice the other night. Okay. I was going to ask you what, where some of the creative ways you get to eat pheasants. Oh, I love pheasant, man. And I made pheasant fried rice the other day 
And I, but I told Ella it was chicken fried rice because she's so over eating pheasant. She's she is so better. over it. <laughs> oh, she's so over it. She told me one time, uh, she goes, oh, pheasant, just off-brand chicken. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's worse than Purdue. Ditch chicken. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and then after she got done eating it, she's like, that was pheasant, wasn't it? And I was like, damn it. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, I know. I, we got to the point where eating, I was eating pheasant two or three times a week. Are you eating the um, legs as well? Uh, yeah. Uh, so what I'll do is uh, almost all of my birds, I skin, just take the wings off and the tail, and obviously, in the head and skin them and, and they keep the whole bird. Um, and then when it comes time to cook it, um, I will, I'll take the breasts off and, you know, cook pheasant breasts. I got a lot of different recipes for that. And then uh, with the rest of the carcass, I will throw it in a crock pot and pick it. Um, and then I make like taco meat with it. Well, pheasant tacos are really good. You know, you, it's all you picked and pulled. Um, or uh, I'll use it like um, uh, for chili meat. I'll make pheasant chili with it. Um, so anyway, th- those types of, of things I, I make with the legs. The legs I love. They're good. Uh, they just there's not a ton of meat on them, and there's a lot of tendons and stuff in there that make them kind of difficult to eat so you really kind of you don't have to but i personally think it's easier to crock pot them and just pick all the meat off of them and and uh and and eat them that way yeah the one pheasant i've cooked i cooked the breast and they came out perfect and i put the legs in with the breast and they just didn't get cooked like they should have been slow cooked you know and yeah just they turned they turned my wife and my son off to it so. Yeah, the the legs the legs are a problem, and and they really, you know, there's plenty of meat on there. It's just they're they're tough to deal with. A lot of people out here will just keep the breasts and throw the rest of the bird out. They and, sound, you know, that's they sound like waterfowlers. You know, I always used to half them and pan fry them. God, were they yeah. good that way? They were the best. That sounds good. So oh, like just a, just a light breading with like a wee little bit of flour a little bit of breadcrumbs your like italian seasoning salt pepper and just light flour real light oil like half inch in there and just you know not extremely high just to where it's just enough that it's getting it going yeah they're i mean they're not quick though i think it still took when i probably close to 20 18 minutes or so 20 minutes like that god yeah good that sounds good i've never tried it like that I will take, <clears throat> like, I like to take um, and do, like, a, like a piccata, like a pheasant piccata. So take the breasts off, and then, like you said there, you know, you put some Italian seasoning, lightly bread them, uh, and then give it sort of a pan fry, put it on top of a pasta uh, with, like, a marinara or something. That could be, that oh, could that be good. so good. Oh. Uh, it, it's oh. excellent. I, al- I also, the other day, I took a couple of pheasant breasts and uh, – I, I went online and I found I looked for the Chick Fil A recipe for uh, uh, their their sandwiches. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. And I recreated the breading or tried and uh, and pan fried them that way. How did it and work then, with pheasant? Uh, I was it was great, man, because we got some nice. Chick Fil A sauce and you know with enough sauce anything's good. So, and we sauced them up, threw some lettuce on that some bitch and some cheese. <laughs> and, right. uh, so wait, no, I gotta know though. Like your recipe, it had like the dill juice and the um, confectionate sugar in it. Yeah, we had the yep, whole. I did nice. the whole thing. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, and then El- and Ella loved that man. She ate that thing up. I was gonna say, did it fool her? Well, it didn't fool her. I, I warned her on that. Usually, I try not to trick her because it's just backfired too many times. 
Um, and she's good about eating it if I tell her. She just starts to complain about having it too often, which I, I don't – look, there are times – I'm trying to keep underneath my possession limit. There are definitely times when I've been like, I would rather have a pizza, but i got to eat this if I'm going to go shoot another one tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I'm with her a little bit there. But, uh, uh, but no, that one I told her, I'm like, look, I made, I made Chick-fil-A sandwiches out of pheasant. Let's try them. And she ate the whole thing. Said it was delicious. You ever deep fry them? Uh, yeah. I'll cut them into strips and deep fry them. <laughs> um, I like to, I make like a, I want to do a, like a cornmeal, which I have never done, but I'll do like, I actually use some coconut flour. I use regular flour and some coconut yeah, flour. It seems to crisp cooking. up real nice. Pull them. Did you ever <laughs> do them like, a, like people do with a turkeys and deep fry the whole bird? I've never done that. That would be, I would love to try that though. I tell you one thing I, I haven't to. done that I wanted to with them is like I do with rabbits and just slow cook them all day and then just do like yeah. a pulled, you know, pulled pheasant sandwich with them. Or slow cook them with like potatoes and all that good stuff in there and have like a stew waiting for you when you get home. Ooh, yeah. 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 I do quite a bit of, uh, of, of crock pot slow cooking for four or five hours and pulling them out. And, uh, the, the pulled, you know, like a pulled pork or something, some barbecue in there. Oh, that's good, man. That's we're awesome. we're talking now. You want, um, do you have a three way? You mean some of this pork? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, uh, I'll take the breast, and so I make a a it's like a cream cheese base spinach artichoke dip, right? Cream cheese, mozzarella sauce, uh, spinach, artichoke, some Brussels sprouts. Some onions, just a whole, this, it's just a dip, right, for like chips or, 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 you know, toasted bread or something. So what I'll do is I'll get a couple of those pheasant breasts, and before I bake the dip, I'll split the breast and stuff it with that spinach artichoke dip, <laughs> and yeah, and close the breast up, and then wrap it in like, I've actually, this is going to make me sound like a snob, I've actually stopped wrapping in bacon, and now I wrap in prosciutto. Oh, look at you. Uh, <laughs> you are a snob. Well, it's just well, when you do back-to-back permit trips, you can do stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Dan, that's why we have you on here, to heckle, heckle you. <laughs> How far we've come from carp fishing, man. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> Uh, but the prosciutto, it holds on. It's real thin, right? And it holds so it holds real good. It doesn't do the thing with bacon does where it tries to, like, straighten out and unwrap and all that. Um, and it cooks on real nice, puts a lot of fat in the meat. So I'll take it, stuff it, and I'll wrap it in prosciutto and then just bake it. Oh, That was, was going to be my question. How's the how's the fat in the prosciutto in comparison to the bacon? Uh, there's plenty of fat in prosciutto. Plenty? That's um, good. Yeah, huh. so it, it puts some it puts some of that fat in there. That's a good uh, idea. But it, I never thought of that. It, mm. Yeah, it holds on nice and tight. You know, it's those wider strips, and so it's not like I don't. know, It's just a little easier to deal with. Uh, but I look like a douchebag when I'm buying it at the grocery store. No, I I went to Aldi's the other day and got a a pack of prosciutto for the ride home from work. Okay, all right, <laughs> you <know>? okay. <laughs> I feel better now. It. I, uh, Arby's got old, so I figured I'd, I needed to class it up. We, we've been talking about it a lot lately because my wife and I have been talking about making a brujol and you know capicole and get a little bit of that in there too, and that's been it's been brought up. So, oh, that's oh, not that's a bad tough. idea at all. Mm-hmm. You ever been do a while? Mar- ever marinate them and then put them on the grill? Yes, yes, uh, uh, excellent. Um, I, I'll use uh, I'll, I'll actually use like a pesto, uh, pesto like mm. I'll take pesto. Um, 
you know, um, like pesto and oil and, and I'll, and I'll marinate it in that. And then I'll throw them on the grill. I, I try to, it's, you know, I should actually do some more research. Please. Uh, any listener don't, uh, uh, I have no medical degree. I'm not sure how long you have to cook. I think I can keep it rarer than, than chicken without running any risk of salmonella, but I don't know that. I'll have to look. Well, with waterfowl, um, but, with waterfowl you can. Is yeah, it I somewhere do it with waterfowl. in the 150s, 140s, something? It's like 160 water? for any kind of poultry. Chicken is it still, though, I know it's chicken's 160, I think. Yeah. Isn't, yeah, 165 is chicken for sure. With grouse, I yeah. know about 160 or so. Yeah, I try to flirt with the lowest end of that that I can get away with just to kind of leave more of that moisture in there if I can. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, and as long as I'm the only one eating it, I don't feel too bad. If I'm feeding other people, I'll make sure that I, I get it all the way to the 160, like just like I would poultry. I just I don't know how much or you know like uh, how chicken. I just don't know how. I'm not sure exactly. I don't I don't know how you know if pheasant susceptible to salmonella and and all that stuff. How that would all work? I have aged a couple, and those I made sure I cooked all the way through because I I let them hang in my um, uh, in my garage for a number of days a whole um and uh and let the meat get real sort of tenderized and it was excellent but it was a little scary i mean what, they were, is they that were, the same thing as setting them in your fridge and going no. i don't want to clean them for three days it's letting rigor mortis set in a little bit right yeah exactly i'm letting the rigor mortis set in um so that when i cut it it doesn't because a lot of times but you know i'll shoot a bird and bring it home and I'm cleaning it, and it's still warm in the body cavity. And, and that means that when I cut the, the uh, uh, breast off, it tenses up. And, and, and then you've got tougher meat than if you let the rigor mortis set in, and it starts. And then when I had let it hang, it actually starts to relax. And there's a little bit of bacterial breakdown on, on some of the meat. I was lucky. I had great conditions. It was like 33 degrees. I could hang it inside. So I had a lot of good things working for me. I actually consulted with a couple of friends of mine that are doctors to make sure I wasn't going to die. <laughs> and they were like, well, as long as there's no shot through these organs that'll release this back. And you're like, okay. So then when I cleaned it, I had to be real careful too and make sure like, was there anything? Cause if the bowels are stuck or punctured, that bacteria is released and then you've got a real problem. But if they're not, then it's still all self-contained. And so the meat should be fine to age. Like it comes down to a few things like that. So, so I didn't feed that to anybody else. I was afraid I'd kill them. So you are leaving the the guts in when you're aging. Left it totally. The bird totally intact. Okay, skin on, guts in. Skin on, guts in, and just let it hang. And I, I literally just brought it home and and hung it up. And uh, Is there any reason and, you couldn't gut it prior though? Well, so that's a controversial question, my friend. Why couldn't? Um, you? Well, you probably could, but you, when you gut it, you do risk breaking open all of that, uh, um, uh, it, you know, all Fun of the stuff. internal ca yeah. cavity stuff, yeah. right, and, re and releasing it in the meat, at which point you need to kill the bacteria before you age it. So then you either have to, like, really scrub it out um, or, or, um, or, or freeze it or do something, because otherwise that bacteria is loose inside, now inside the flesh, whereas... When it's st before you've cleaned it, it's still contained all inside of the uh, the gastro, um, you know, the system, the gastro uh, system. There, uh, it's not it's not loose in the meat. Actually, apparently, this is like I said, I am not a doctor. I'm just telling you what I was told by doctors that I may have misunderstood. But luckily, I didn't die. <laughs> yeah, you're still here to tell the story. Yeah. So, are so you going to try so it again? Good. Are you going to do it again? 
Or yeah. Oh yeah. I'll do it again. It was really good. I mean, it was the tenders, uh, uh, pheasant. So the problem with pheasant is that low fat content that's inside the meat, which makes it dry and tough compared to at least compared to what we're familiar with, with chicken, which has, you know, basically has water in it effectively. Um, and so that's what that's what I'm constantly fighting against is a how to infuse a little fat into it uh, for moisture purposes and uh, how to keep it tender and the, the the aging it certainly keeps it tender. I know a lot of places like you know there's a lot of places like in France and stuff where they hang their poultry until the heads fall off. Um, and so yeah, you but know, they they also don't season their meat and uh, it's weird. Yeah, French people are weird. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not, not to not to like single out a whole group of listeners but, but that's exactly what but you people did. from france are weird yeah <laughs> I, I love it that you assume that you have a bunch of french listeners we have zero i've, I've looked at the stats <laughs> <laughs> that's why i can say that <laughs> uh, like three yeah, the three so that we, listened yeah. in quebec are now not listeners yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we had a good uh, we had a good season of uh, I got a lot of birds uh, in the freezer and stuff to to um, uh, to eat this year. But so um, you know, I grew up here hunting pheasants, but I've never had a dog. I hunted them on foot, and that would mean I'd get like two or three birds a season. And um, and so this has been a big change. That's what I was gonna say. We've talked a lot about the bird, but we haven't talked about the pup much. What what have you you personally done to get Leo into shape and to to get Leo ready for a season? And then what have you noticed this year that has changed from last year with Leo? Yeah, so we started. I, I got luckily. I have friends who know what they're doing, and uh, uh, a couple of the, you know some of the greatest, the best advice I got um, uh, for was early on I was told uh, what you really want to do when he's very young and by very young, they meant, you know, all the way through his first season is um, make sure that he likes you (laughs) and he wants to do things for you. So, you know, make it just love the hell out of him Uh um, and have him love you back because he has the instincts in him to, to hunt Oh, the only problem you've got is figuring out how to translate. You've got two problems. One, you've got to figure out how to translate what you want him to do uh, to something where he understands, right? How do I let him know what I'm asking of him? And then the second question is, does he want to do the things you want him to do? (laughs) And so we tackled that early uh, with uh, just a lot of playing, a lot of, um, uh, um, you know, just together time. I mean, putting him in my truck and taking him with me when I went to the store and, or, you know, going camping together or just whatever, as much time as I could spend with him. Um, and then, uh, when we did play, we had a certain set of toys that he was expected to act a certain way for. So if I'm throwing a tennis ball, He's supposed to get it, bring it back to me, but it's not the end of the world if he's a knucklehead or he doesn't find it or, or he didn't bring it right back or whatever when he was little. Now, he, he, I don't have that problem. But if we were playing with his hunting bumpers, 
there was a protocol he was supposed to follow. He was supposed to listen. He was supposed to bring it back. He's supposed to put it in my hand. Um, you know, and so we started to introduce this idea that, uh, there are certain circumstances where we're playing and there's certain circumstances where we're uh, trying to accomplish a task where we're kind of working. Um, can I, had a, can I a, a interrupt couple, for a second? Yeah. I, I do the same thing with my pup, but when we have orange vest, when he puts yes. the orange vest, orange vest on, it's game time. We go yes, out, we, uh, it's, it's training time. And then when we take the orange vest off, it's let's go and play. Have you noticed a behavior difference? I have. Cause, uh, yeah. Because my wife never puts the orange vest on him, and he's always a shithead around her. And when I put mm-hmm. the orange vest on him, he listens. Yes. We have that. Leo and I have that. I just noticed that this weekend, he's got two different collars, uh, which we call his necklaces. Yes. Um, he's got he's got his pretty green and gold necklace for when he when he wants to look handsome. <laughs> and then he's got his and then he's got his orange <laughs> necklace for when we're hunting. Yeah. And uh, the other day I put on his pretty green and gold necklace and we went out to this a big open field <laughs> but i did bring his bumper and i was gonna it we weren't hunting we weren't training but i was surprised at how different he was he was fucking around a lot more than he was you know uh paying attention or or usually if i'm walking through the grass well for the since october 15th if we were walking through tall grass he was looking for pheasants he was hunting um but the only difference was he was wearing a different collar this time, and I was not carrying my shotgun, and he was not looking for pheasants. He didn't care. He was like, "I'm going to run over here. I'm going to go take a leak on this. I'm going to I'm going to walk with you for a while." But he just knew that something was that that we weren't hunting, and the only the difference was his collar, and that I didn't have a gun in my hand. Um, and I wonder if I had had a gun, if the collar would have been enough. It's it's an interesting question. That's a good question. To, good question to answer. Yeah, I really don't know. My guess would be if he had on his orange collar, he would have been, thought we were hunting, um, because uh, <clears throat> um, because I certainly took him out and worked him without my shotgun. Uh, you know, even in the summer, we'll go out and just keep our skills sharp, especially after his before his first season when we were trying to get him some skills, and then his second season when we were trying to advance those skills. Now, now it's just a matter of as many times as we can get out. Uh, I think will make a difference. Um, so we started with those two things. You know, there's sometimes you're working and sometimes you're not. And there's sometimes, and then, you know, you gotta, you gotta love me. Um, I did have, I do have a friend of mine who trains. So a lot of guys around here for Labradors will use a method or send their dogs to a trainer that uses a method of training called uh, force fetching. Mm-hmm. And, and force fetching is, um, uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to disparage anybody. It's probably uh, valuable for many dogs, but it involves uh, creating pain for them that is only uh, removed when they do things correctly. Right. So it's a little bit of the opposite. So it'll be like a pinch thing on the ear or a toe thing, or there's all different ways that guys do it. And with Leo, I just, I just couldn't see myself putting him into that situation. Um, so we went to a buddy of mine who does some training on pointers, which are, um, a lot more sensitive sort of psychologically. Um, cause I didn't want him, I didn't want him, um, uh, to become, 
I wanted him to enjoy what he was doing. Yeah. And so, uh, so we went up to, to my buddy and really what he did for us was I just needed a professional to help me do a few things that I didn't want to mess up. I did have Leo on a shock collar for his first season and he helped me introduce that collar. So effectively make it so I didn't have to shock the dog, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of teach him, this is what this is, thing's going to do. So you don't want, and then I could just use the tone button and that was enough to make Leo uh, listen. Um, and then he had some pigeons that we could put out and get Leo early on uh, where we knew there was a bird right there and he would get rewarded for finding it. And um, the interesting thing with Leo is he um, he was never trained at all to be a pointing dog. And, but he, he points, uh, he points birds instead of trying to flush them and he'll sit and stare at a bird, but he's not a German wire here. He's not going to stare at him for 25 minutes and he's not going to, you know, and he's not 30 feet back and all that stuff. But if he gets up on a rooster and that bird's sitting still, Leo will stand there and stare at it. Um, and until I tell him to get it, at which point he tries to hit it with his front paws as opposed to pick it up with his mouth. So, so I, I got a question there for you. Yeah. Do you have cats? No. I was going to say, what's he do f- with those? Because that would be interesting. I, I know my I dog. Know. My dog goes ape shit on my cats, but I don't know what he would do with the bird. <laughs> <laughs> does he just, does he try to grab the cat? Oh, he tries to eat both of my cats. <laughs> he loves Chinese food. <laughs> 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 but <clears throat> my cats are a mom and a son. Yeah. The, the mama cat wants nothing to do with Ollie. She bloodied sure. his nose last week. <laughs> He'll learn pretty quick, won't he? That's what I that's why I keep telling my wife. And she's like, Oh, but she but she's gonna get him. She's gonna get She's him. gonna get him right in the eye. Well she's already done that. We've taken uh, him to the vet for that. Oh, <sighs> got him in the eye. Yeah. Dang. You thought he'd have learned after that one. I, you would think, but he hasn't. He's Full on shithead. Eight month lab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not head, man. They are not. Well, like uh, my vet says, no, no brain, no pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard being dumb. <laughs> it is hard being dumb. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, uh, Leo's first time out, he was about nine months old and, and he stuck his face into a porcupine and Kate got 53 quills in his face. Mm. Oh, that sounds like zero fun. So oh, it was the worst. Oh my God. So horrible. What, what was worse, <laughs> them going in or them coming out? Definitely them coming out. Um, and also, you know, he, he was just a puppy. He was not, you know, eight, eight months old, I think eight months old. And, um, he, he, we were out hunting for sharptail grouse and he got on a, uh, uh, um, he got on a, a group of sharpies. He didn't know what the hell he was doing. Didn't know what, why. I mean, he was, you know, he was eight months old as our first or second time hunting. And, uh, but he flushed them. Or they, they flushed and, and, and he, I was excited and he was excited and we went about, I don't know, the 20 yards, all of a sudden he stops moving in front of me and he's like looking down at something and I thought he was on some more birds and he's just standing there and I kind of walk up there to go kick out. Maybe there's a pheasant holding tight or something to go kick it out and I can just see through the grass. I see black and white 
And I thought, oh, Christ, there's a skunk. Yeah. And and I grabbed him by the collar and started dragging him back. And I realized he had quills sticking out of his face and his paw. And he hadn't he hadn't he never made a noise, dude. Didn't make a yelp, didn't do anything. Was just standing there stock still with his face right up next to that thing and got stabbed. So then I get him back and uh um he he's real confused and he's not happy. And uh Dad, why'd you do this to me? Dad. Right, exactly. Well then it gets worse because then I've got to pin him to the ground. And use a Leatherman to start pulling these things out. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm good buddies with my vet. So I called him and he's like, well, I'm close. I can come there if you need. Um, but I'll charge you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, he said, look, I'm just going to try to pull him out. And if he needs to be sedated, we'll have to just take him back to the clinic. So um, uh, you can try pulling him out if you want. And then if it's if you can't get him, then, you know, you just take him into Sioux Falls and take him to clinic. So... So I started pulling them out, and they're barbed, man. Yeah. So every one of them is like, bink, bink, and his face is stretching. And so mm. now I'm the one causing all this stupid pain, right? You, I you, felt horrible. And you can't even do the mono loop trick on him. <laughs> no, you can't do nothing. And so the four, the, and four of them broke off, four of them. And so even after all that, I had to throw him in the truck and drive two and a half hours back to town and uh, take him in, and then they had put him under – Got them all cleaned up, Got made sure there was no infection. I thought, I'll be so lucky if this dog ever decides to hunt again. Um, but the vet said, look, he said, one of two things happen. He said, most of them now will avoid porkies. But he said about 10% of them will decide porcupines are the bane of their existence, and they're going to try to kill everyone they smell. He said, if that's what happens with Leo, you'll be bringing him back here once a season. To get <laughs> quills out of his face, it's like oh. God. So luckily, we haven't found any the second time out, uh, or the second season. We didn't run across it. We spent most of our; those are mostly on the west side of the state, and we didn't we didn't hunt over there much this year. So, I I hope it's a distant memory. <laughs> I hope it's a distant memory. Um. So yeah, he uh. So you know, but taking him to that pointer trainer meant it was much more gentle kind of training and uh, much more about like discipline and control. And I don't mean physical discipline. I mean like making him sit on a place on command and stay there until he's told to not be there anymore. Um, he's always had a real soft mouth. He always uh, retrieves to hand. So I don't have to worry about those types of things. Um, and we did that. I did that with, with uh, Marzov kennels for um, uh, three weeks or something. We worked with them and then, um, and then it was uh, just uh, we started doing um, some hand signal training, which has made a big difference. And that was we did that in our kitchen. I would take three treats. I'd make him sit and I'd take three treats. And I put one way off to his left, one way off to his right and one behind him. And I'd make him face me. And then I would at first you had to use voice commands, right? I'd tell him it was okay, and I'd point to the one that was to the right. And if he ran over, and normally they'll go the direction you point, at least for the first step. They'll look that way normally. And and then if he could go eat that one, and before he would go to the next one, I would have to stop him. I'd have to get his attention and make him sit again. And then I'd point to the next one and tell him it was okay and make him go get that one. And I would do that over and over and over. And 
eventually I could stop telling having to use my words and telling him to like sit and stop and okay. And all that, I could just point and he would go to the one that was the direction I pointed. Um, and the one behind him, I would use the command back. Um, and, uh, so I could point him back. Um, and I did that a bunch. And so that may has made a big difference in the field because he doesn't always see the bird down. If we're in like eight foot tall corn or something, he may not get a good mark on that bird. And, um, or if we're in water, we've used it in water quite a bit when we're throwing the bumper in water and stuff. Um, I have to, Oh, I forgot one command. One other command I, I, that was just a life changer. The look, um, I talk, look yes you told me that and that that is a life changer it is an absolute life changer so the way we did it was initially i make him sit in front of me i'd hold a treat in my hand and i would hold it right between my eyes and his eyes i'd say look and then i'd hold it right between my eyes and his eyes so he had to look at my face um and i would do that over and over and slowly eventually i would remove the treat from the equation and when i said look he'd look at my face he'd look at me and so now um, but just, it just happened. Uh, we were out with a small group of guys. We had a bird down in the grass. I had a pretty good mark on it. Leo did not have a good mark. Um, so I could send him back to it, which I'll tell you about that in a second. I could get him on a line and send him back to it. Once he got there, uh, where I wanted him to be, I could tell him to find the bird. And he knows that means he's standing near where I think the bird went down. But in this case, he was his line wasn't great. He was way to the left of where I wanted him. So I could get him. I could yell, look, and he would look back at me. And then I can point to the right or the left, and he goes that direction um, until he hears me say, find the bird, at which point he now gets down on his nose and starts looking. Um, and that was that was all because of the look command and then that treat trick in the, in the, in the kitchen, um, which we still do. We still, because it's fun to put one here and put one there and point and tell him which one he can get and not get. Um, that one has made a big difference. Um, and then the lining him up one. So I would throw his bumper, make him sit beside me and throw his bumper and not let him go. Make him sit there and wait until it was on the ground. And then I line, I line him up by putting my hand across his, his nose um, like a karate chop sort of where I'm pointing my fingers right at where I want him to go. You're like Daniel. And, yeah, exactly. And I'll still be standing behind him and I'll put my hand right down his nose pointed right where I want him to go. And when he's looking right where I want him to go, then I yell the word back. And that, that's sort of his, his word to go out. So even though technically it's not back in this case, it's, it's a way for me is, is generally what I'm trying to tell him to do. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he'll and he'll he'll run out and he'll run until I yell find the bird and that's how I did it was with a bumper he could see the bumper laying there so the lining up was kind of a uh, academic but it got him in that groove of following my hand and then when he would get right near the bumper and he knew where it was he was going to pick it up even whether I gave him the command or not but I would tell him find the bird and then he would pick it up so then it got to a point where I could throw it in deeper grass that where he couldn't see it. He knew where it landed, but he couldn't see it. And I would do the same set of things. And it all started from my buddy Mike telling me, don't, this was interesting. He said, give him commands when he's doing the thing you're telling him to do. Initially, he doesn't know what the words mean. So rather than telling him to, uh, um, I don't know, 
to lay down and just yelling at him to lay down and hoping he figures it out. Make him lay down, and when he does, say the word lay down, and then do it over and over. And then pretty soon, he associates that you know action with that word, and then you can say lay down, and he'll lay down. So that's what we've done with everything. So when I would tell him to find the bird when he was already finding it, I would uh, um, – uh, it, it, then when it became to a point where when I say it, he knows, oh, I must be right where this thing is. It's time for me to try to pick it up. And uh, and the only times that we've had trouble with it is when I haven't trusted him. And we've had a couple of occasions where he was trying to go after a running bird. And he, that meant he wasn't following my line. And I should have trusted him. And I thought he was just off. And uh, so I corrected him and corrected him and corrected him. And finally, he told me to pound sand and he ran over and picked the bird up from where he could tell it was and i and i was wrong (laughs) he brought it back to me with a dirty look um but you learn you've learned better then right i have learned that's a big thing man uh, for me and i'm still working on it but trust your dog that mantra runs in my head all the time now because initially it was like I wanted him to hunt this area. He was drifting to this side. I wanted him to hunt over here. He was drifting to this side. And there are times when he just has to do what I tell him because we're in a group or whatever. But when I'm out by myself, I've learned that if I just trust him and if he wants to drift, then we drift. Uh, it's because he can tell that there's that there's a reason that there's birds over there. And, yeah. and and it works out much better when I let him, when I trust him just the other day i mean i had a guy i had a buddy of mine out uh we were hunting together and uh we were walking across this like it was uh it was a uh like a i don't know if you guys have these or not you probably do we have these like sloughs these these like low spots that get standing water but they dry up every year and they're basically just barren dirt when they're dried up yeah um and we were walking across one of those and there was like it kind of in the middle of it, there was a, a big tuft of, I don't know, we call them fireweeds, but it, they're like tumbleweeds, right? They're real rough, tall, um, but they're rooted to the ground, just ugly weeds, about four foot tall. And <clears throat> we're walking through there with another lab and Leo and me and my buddy Daniel, and we're, Leo runs up to that thing and starts pointing at it. And it's the only I mean, it's literally barren dirt all the way around. And I was like, huh, Leo thinks there's a bird in there. And and then I saw a cottontail come out the other end. And I thought, oh, you dummy, pointing to Bunny, you idiot. And I and I was t- and Dan, I told Daniel, I'm like, I saw Bunny come out. And we were laughing. And he's like calling him Leo the Bunny Hunter. And Leo wasn't going to move. And finally, I'm like, okay, get the bird. And I, there's nothing in there, Leo. There's no bird. And I'm fine. I said, okay, get the bird. And he jumped straight up in the air and landed on top of that thing with all four feet. I don't know why he doesn't go in with his face. Maybe because <laughs> maybe because the porcupines. It could be the porcupine <laughs> thing. It's the weirdest looking thing. I got to get video of it. But he lands. He lands on it. He tries to hit him with his paws, and he landed on it four feet. And sure enough, a rooster came shooting out the other end. And, uh, and you all missed. And, <laughs> no, I was luckily because remember that thing about not thinking. I shot that bird, and uh, and it hit the ground running. And he was, Leo was all over it and went and picked up, brought it back to me. Stupid things looking around at me while Leo carries it back. That's always a little creepy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and and we got it all taken care of, but I mean, I should have trusted him. He was very clear. There is a bird in here. 
and the other dog didn't think there was a bird in there. Me and there was just there was no reason for there to be a. But that might be how that old rooster got away. You know, had survived three or four seasons. Exactly. That's why that's a wild rooster. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I gotta. I, I do have to trust them, and um, uh, and then I also gotta remember like the least. This is a huge mistake guys take a, 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 a guys get into with their. Um, first time they're taking their with early taking dogs out the least the uh less you can speak to your dog while you're hunting the better um and i don't mean like you can praise him and you love him and you give him water and all that crap but if you're constantly giving him commands it becomes wildly confusing to the dog and the one that really confuses them i've watched it happen with other dogs um in fact leo's brother uh, has a pro- really big problem with this right now. His owner is constantly yelling to him, uh, hunt him up, hunt him up, hunt him up, hunt him up. Well, that's the command you give when, you, when you're telling your dog it's time to hunt. Right? So with Leo, he walks right beside me. We get to where I want it to, to hunt. I make him sit. I slap him on the side and I say, hunt him up, and that means go. But if I say it over and over while he's hunting, he starts to think, I must not be doing what he's telling me to, what he wants me to do. Hunt him up must mean something else, right? Because that's what I'm doing. And he keeps giving me that command. So, and so, uh, the, 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 and it can be that way with, you know, come back or too far or any of these different commands. It, it, if you're saying it all the time, um, it, it starts to become meaningless to the dog. And you and can't so, say that to, to the owner of that dog, right? No, and it's funny because we got these dogs at the same time. In fact, it's really funny. This, mm-hmm. this guy, and I really like him, I'm not, I, but but he, he contacted me and he said, hey, Dan, do you want, a, I've heard through the grapevine you might be looking for a dog, um, and I got a friend who's got an extra a male in a litter. Do you want it? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And then he said, okay, I'm going to take the first male, the three females are spoken for. I'll take the, the first male. The one I don't want, you can have. I was like, that sounds great. And he's like, okay, I picked him out. I'm going to take Rudy. And I said, good, whatever, sounds good. And we went and met the other dog and said hi to him and all that stuff. It, it was fine. I mean, you can't tell in eight weeks, right? You don't even know what size they're going to end up being. Um, about a week before uh, we went to pick the dogs up, he called me and he said, you know, I changed my mind. I'm going to take, I want the other one and you can have Rudy. And I was like, yeah, whatever, that sounds good to me. And then Rudy is, is turned into, that's who Leo is. So this guy <laughs> got Leo's brother. So he turned down Leo. And turned down Leo. And then he called me last week. Now we've had him, we're both through our second season. And he's like, I don't think, his, his dog's name is Tucker now. He's like, I don't think Tucker can, can hunt. Because Tucker doesn't hunt. And I've been with Tucker. And uh, Tucker's hunting. <laughs> Tucker's owner doesn't know, doesn't know it. But anyway, um, he's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. And I, I, I still might offer to just take Tucker off his hands from him um, because the problem is not the dog. The problem is that the owner gives a lot of commands all the time. And he has a young dog who then becomes confused enough about what he's supposed to be doing and, and eventually just thinks, I can't, I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do. So I just better not do anything. Yeah. I'm just I just need to walk alongside this guy because he keeps yelling at me to go left and go right. And 
hunt them up and find the bird and get them and you know all these different things and the dog's like that's i think that's what i'm doing why do you keep yelling that at me it's like if you told your dog to sit and it did and then you sat there over and over saying sit 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 you know they're like uh what um so anyway um that was a big thing was and i'm still not great at it but uh don't not to just not overuse my commands and um there are times, you know, like I want to keep him close so he doesn't get out too far in front of me. And, and I've got to use that. And I, we, we, we do too far. Um, but even then, like I try hard to wait until I just can't, can't tell it, you know, I, I have no choice. And then I bring him all the way back and, and we start the process over again. Cause I don't want to be yelling at him over and over. You're too far. You're too far. You're too far. Cause eventually it just becomes background noise. So, uh, this is weird. I don't hunt my dog. How far is too far for you? Uh, it really varies by hunter. <clears throat> and that uh, I think is actually why it's been something that Leo and I are having to work on together. Um, I, I let him get pretty far out in front cause I'm a pretty good shot and I'm pretty quick. And I know that Leo's not going to bust birds. He's going to, he's going to hold on them. So I have a chance to get closer to him. Plus, I can tell oh, – well, I'll tell you guys that story in a second. But I can tell when Leo's on a bird and when he's just running around. Um, and so – but the reason we're having a problem then is that means when we're with a group of people, they oftentimes – I need to keep him closer to me when we're in a group of people. Um, and it's, it's inside his normal range. I would say it's probably – for me, like, I want to keep him within – maybe 30 yards, 30 yards, I'd say. Okay. That's, uh, that's pretty tight. Yeah. 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 30, 35. Um, when we're with a group and, uh, um, and I'll let him go to 40 or 45 yards. I mean, it's tough. If you sit 40 yards and a bird busts 10 yards in front of him and it's flying away from me at, you know, 30 miles an hour, yeah. it's out of range awful fast. Um, but, uh, uh, um, so, so that's, that's kind of, that's kind of it. It is, t- it's difficult though, when there's just a lot of variables, it's going to take him years to learn them all. Like there's a line of nine of us. He can range side to side a long ways and still be fine. When it's just me, I can't have him ranging side to side that far, you know? So it's, it's all of those nuances we're trying to figure out. I did take a number of groups out this year that didn't ha- he was the only dog. And so we had to have him range uh, side to side in front of everybody. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, that obviously was a habit that when it's just me and him, I need him to stay much closer on his side to sides ranging. Um, but he can go out farther in front of me because, um, uh, I'm just more comfortable with that than, than, you know, maybe some of these other shooters that we've had. So, um, it's a, it's a learning process for us for sure. So speaking of learning, what are your goals for you and Leo going into next season? Because every serious uh, bird, bird hunter I know, that they always have goals for them and their, their dogs going into the next season, whether it's something they want to improve on or goals, number of birds, whatever. Yeah, excellent question. We had goals. So we came into first season, the goal was I need to get him from we're out here having fun and this is the best day of my life to, I need to get him from that to, Oh yeah, I'm trying to find these colorful, smelly 
things and make them fly. The dead and we like did that. <laughs> right, right. We did that. We did that. We accomplished that goal for sure in the first season. Actually, earlier than the first season. By the end of the season, he'd really started to figure out that um, we were working together to try to. I, I think in his head, it really is. We're working together to try to make it so I get to retrieve one of these things. That's his <laughs> ultimate goal. Yeah. And and, uh, and so by the end of the year, uh, last year, so with late season roosters in South Dakota, what they'll do is they, they will either fly out of the end of the field, you know, the minute you get out of the truck, or they run, and they run really fast, and they run through the grass, and they don't hunker down and try to hide in the grass. And so they'll run, run, run. And by the time either your dog starts chasing them or uh, whatever happens, they, they bust out of range. And that's a real problem. So you try to hunt. We try to hunt quiet. So we can, we're sneaking up on them. We'll try to hunt fast. Um, so, but by the end of the season last year, Leo had already solved that. And I would notice that he get not solved it, but he figured it out. And I noticed that when he would get birdie, which is very evident, his tail starts to helicopter around, his movements become much more erratic. Um, he's clearly following a, a scent, and he, you, he's following a cone of scent coming off the animal, and he's 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 uh, he's zigzagging back and forth across that cone. He'll run until he goes out of it, the scent cone, and then he immediately turn around and come back, and side to side, and so he narrow, 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 narrows down on these on these birds. Well, by the end of the year last year, if he got birdie, he would break always to my left. He'd break to my left, and he'd roll out. 30, 40, 50 yards out in front of me, and then he'd work that cone, that bird, back towards me. And we had a number of roosters that busted behind me that he had pushed. They were running from him into me as opposed to running away from me and him and getting out in front of us. It was really impressive. So anyway, he'd started to figure out this year coming in, it was um, that uh, we had two goals again. The first goal was... I wanted to be able to go much less commands. I wanted to be able to get in a field and hunt and have him know the range, have him know, <clears throat> keep an eye on me for if I turned and was going another direction. I really wanted to, to get uh, much less commands. We used the look a lot because I was just trying to teach him, just check me, just check on me, just check on me. So I don't have to, scream at you to come back and we're going to take a left and we're going to go up this other goal. You know, I just look and look. And if I start to turn, I need you to come to the side. And he, and he, he definitely got further with that, um, which was good. And then we just wanted to, I wanted to continue to advance the idea that, um, uh, that it was only pheasants we were interested in, right? No more bunnies, no more field mice, no more whitetails. You know, it, it, we're looking at, uh, no more owls, you know, that, that's our, that's our, our primary target. We got far enough along that this year that on our, our last day out, we walked up on a creek bed and a great big white tail, uh, doe. I mean, she was so fat. Gosh, <laughs> she hopped up, uh, and just stood there staring at him at, uh, I don't know, 10 yards away. And he's standing staring at her. I wish I'd have got a picture of it. He's standing staring at her, and she's staring at him. And he, he started growling at her. <laughs> she just stood there. And he started growling. 
And uh, finally, she trotted, um, I don't know, 20 yards away kind of to our side and stopped and looked at us. I don't know. I could have hit this thing with a rock. Uh, you go all, all deer season and get skunked, and then you get a doe that just sits and stares at you. Um, but uh, uh, I, so I'm watching her stand there, and Leo's hunting. He's, he's gone. I had to be calling back because I was like, oh, shit. He doesn't realize that I'm not hunting right now. I'm looking at this deer because he was not interested in her whatsoever. Um, so that's good news. So we made those two goals. Um, our goals for next season, um, I think we want to uh, – we got to continue to get better. He's got to continue to improve at his, at his range. I st- he still gets out too far. Um, it, uh, when he gets – when we first get to the field, he, he really, really moves fast and, and he ends up out, out ranging out farther than I like. He's good at coming back to the command, but I, I don't want to have to be telling him over and over. And then the, the second one I need for him to do is um, I need for him to slow down a little bit. He, uh, and I think some of that will come with age. Yeah. You're getting, you're getting older. You, you can't keep up with him, right? <laughs> you, it's, it's exactly true, man. I mean, he's moving so fast and he'll burn himself out. You know, he'll hunt at four hours in. He's like, oh, my God, I'm tired. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Why didn't you slow down earlier, no dummy? No shit, dummy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do the uh, – uh, I'm just going to hope that that starts to come with age and experience and his excitement level drops just a, just a touch. Um, uh, but other than that, you know, it's just – we got to – he didn't – I can't – we didn't lose – let's see, so we had – we lost one bird that landed on the other side of a lake, so there was no getting him back. We lost one bird that uh, he didn't know we shot, and it landed in a fucking whole bunch of willows. It was just a disaster. And we lost one bird uh, that jumped out of my back of my vest. That was great. Th- oh. That was definitely Leo's fault. <laughs> oh, we're shot. We're shot. It's like a duck we're shot. The blind. Yeah, we shot one, and I had it in my vest, and then I shot another one. He brought it back to me, and uh, I swear that bird was dead. I swear it was dead, and I put it in my vest. <laughs> I put it in my vest, and about twenty yards away, I'm like, my vest feels a little light. And I reach back there, and there's only one bird in there, and I was like, oh no! So we went back, and we tried to find it, and it was gone. Um, so my point is, we did not miss many retrieves. Uh, he did not miss many retrieves this year. Um, uh, so we don't have a ton more improvement to do on his retrieving. What we do have is uh, that he, uh, the you know, when a bird flies and you take a shot at it, if you don't hit it, you yell no bird and the dog should come back. And he comes back, but he likes to take extra long time to run and watch the bird and see where it's going. And that can be, it's fine if it's just me and him, but it can be a problem if there's more than one hunter because he can run through other birds that he flushes or he can drag other dogs with him. They'll see him running out there and they'll drag along, they'll come along with him. And it can be a little disruptive. Um, so I, I need to get him a little better at, uh, and acknowledging that command. So it's those kind of things. It's real tweaky at this point. We're just kind of tweaking the edges. And then um, he's got a lot of pheasants under his belt. He's got some sharp-tailed grouse under his belt. Um, we need to uh, – it's time to, to – you know, I got a, a spot I could go hunt some quail. I need to get him out there. I want to start expanding the, the, the types of birds that we've got after. So I got a question that I think you've already answered, but mm-hmm. – 
uh, with Ollie this year, um, this time of year mainly, uh, I've been trying to take him out in the woods, and we've been following whitetail tracks looking for uh, sheds. Great. Looking for Great. sheds. Um, you're trying to keep Leo away from whitetails, so you're not going out looking for sheds? Is that? That's an, that's an excellent point. So I've never looked for sheds with him. Um, it never even occurred to me, but that would be fun to do. The worry I have is we jump a lot of deer. We yeah. jump a lot of deer. And you don't want to be chasing, have a dog chasing deer around here. Um, uh, assuming, you know, with Leo, it's probably fine because I'm sure he wouldn't go more than, you know, 100 yards and I could call him off. But there are, I've, I, you know, if it's, there are some dogs that will take off after a deer and it's like, uh, that dog's gone. Um, you know, and you don't need that. And you certainly don't need him getting shot at by somebody who's, you know, a farmer who doesn't want dogs chasing his deer, chasing the deer around. Hey, um, exactly. And in Pennsylvania, on Sundays, we don't, there's no hunting. So that's the day that I get to take Ollie out and do that stuff, you know? Yep, yep. Yeah, exactly. So, no, we haven't done any shed hunting. It would be fun, um, but it just hadn't occurred to me. I, I should do that. I should see. I, I think he'd be all right if, if he knew we were looking for for sheds. He's so focused on birds at this point, though, that, uh, you know, he runs by deer carcasses. We ran by – he runs by you know, three or four deer carcasses uh, in the last couple of weekends and didn't even give him a second look. You know, it's oh, meat and my ribs. Dog, and, my dog would go over there and try to hump it. That's how that's how Leo was early, but he is so. And I have nothing. I mean, I have nothing to do with this. Like yeah. I, I uh, it's just he just it, it naturally is just so. Uh, he loves the idea of of a bird going getting shot and him bringing it back so much. It's really all he can think about when we're out there. That's awesome. As that's, someone who's it, gotten to hunt over other people's dogs, I, I can. It sounds like you got a really special dog on your hand because I've hunted whether it's waterfowl or, you know, grouse in Michigan hunted with some really good dogs and some not so great dogs. It really sounds like you and Leo got something going on. Yeah, we've been lucky. First of all, I'm, I'm just lucky that he's got a lot of natural talent, which is good. Um, I'm also, uh, look, I live in the middle of, of pheasant heaven. And since the time he was little, I've had the opportunity to get him out, get him on pheasants, get him on feathers, get him on birds, um, and so then it was, it was, you know, it, all of those instincts were sort of kicked in. And then it was just a matter of, um, kind of the stuff that originally we talked about. Does he listen to me? Does he like me? Does he want to work together with me? Does he understand his commands? And, uh, um, and, but yeah, I, I, I've spent a lot of time behind a lot of dogs and this one's as good as he's as good as any of he's better than most and maybe better than any of them that I've ever been behind. And so, like I said, we just finished our second season. So when did Leo stop bringing you your dirty shoes when you walk in the door? <laughs> <laughs> because I, I'm um, waiting for that day. <laughs> well, well, it was probably, it was pretty close to around the time he ate a pair of Chacos. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and, and was, and was, uh, uh, was reminded that, uh, 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 shoes are not for dogs. Um, no, man, you're getting there. It was like probably right, really pretty close to the 10 month, one year mark okay. when he really stopped with the putting everything in his mouth, carrying everything around and started to figure out like, 
you know, I play with my toys and that's it. Um, but gosh, dang it, he ate a lot of stuff, man. Okay. He ate an entire dog bed. We've been through six Roku remotes because no one knows how to put them on the mantle but me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that is really funny. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Uh, you know those Sightlines bracelets? Yeah. Yeah. The I really expensive ones, you mean? Yeah, the <laughs> really expensive ones. I had three of them. I had, I had a... Uh, what do you mean I had? had a, <laughs> uh, well, I had, a car, I had a carp one and I had a redfish one, and then uh, they sent me a... Um, they, they did a, 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 a co- collab. They did a Dan Frazier one? No, kind of. <laughs> I wish. No, with Pheasants Forever, they did a collab, and, they, and it was a... Um, uh, it was like bla- the metal was blaze orange and uh, like powder coated in blaze orange, and it was a pheasant. And then uh, and it was a leather bracelet. The thing was beautiful. I'll send you guys a picture of what I have left of it. Um, Leo got. Is it in a turd? Leo got all three of them, and, uh, and I came back to literally just a pile of rivets. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he. Uh, he did that. He ate an entire dog bed. Um, the, uh, I mean, not a tore it into a thousand, you know, shreds um, all over the house. He, uh, I don't know what would happen. Every once in a while, they just lose their minds, man. Just <laughs> lose their minds. Mm-hmm. Have, oh have you had any problem with? Uh, does he? Does Ollie eat grass? Ollie eats everything. <laughs> he eats grass. He eats. Uh, Wife has ornamental grass, which is way taller. He'll eat that. Yeah. Um, do you get the string? Do you get the stringers then that you have to pull out of him? I, I let him deal with that. Oh man, Leo lose. I had to pull him out because he goes crazy. He thinks he's getting chased by a tiny turd that's hanging off of him, and, 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 he, and he starts freaking out. And I have to hold him and then get a glove on and grab it, and pull it out, and and, and, and he gives you this weird little shudder. <laughs> My, my buddy, like, woo. my buddy and his girlfriend came out, or his wife came over yesterday, and Ollie was licking uh, Michelle in the face. And I was like, "You know why he's licking your face? Because he just licked his asshole." Yeah. Yeah, she was right, like, right. "What?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> he's like, "That." <laughs> that's, that's right, right after Chad's. Do Do you remember uh, what Black Lab yeah. was saying yesterday? Oh yeah, yeah she loves it. <laughs> She loves it. His, I know she loves it. His, his teeth are so white because he was just licking his pubes. <laughs> Dogs take a lot after their owners, and it seems like Chad has that same problem. Yeah, I, I definitely lick my asshole way more than I should. <laughs> <laughs> if not his, the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, uh, we haven't even got the car talk. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's you had Ollie neutered yet? Oh. You get, have you got Ollie cut? Uh, have we? Yeah. No, we have not. And gotcha. Are you going to? I don't know. Yeah, you have to, dude. He's going to start humping your wife. I guarantee it. He already humps my son. Yeah. Uh, your wife will be next. That That's going to be a horrible <laughs> hybrid when him and my son procreate. So, so when my when my vet when I asked I, I I asked my vet when uh, when do I get Leo uh, cut and he said when he starts humping with purpose, <laughs> uh, not just for fun, <laughs> right, right. 
which, by the way, uh, that explains puberty for me perfectly, right? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so we're gonna but, we're gonna title this show "Humping with Purpose." <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so so uh, he had this like big stuff white stuffed bunny that he would hump all the time when he was little, and in uh, and that was not with purpose. That was because he just I didn't know what else to be doing, I guess. But. Uh, the first time he humped my daughter, I was like, all right, that seemed like it had some purpose to it. So I took him in and got cut. And, and, I, and I got him back here, and he's wearing his coat of shame. And Ella and her, and her boyfriend, Ashton, are, uh, are here. Ashton's over for dinner. And uh, Leo's wearing his coat of shame. And Ashton says, um, what, why does he have the – what surgery did he have? And I said, oh, I, I had his nuts cut off. And Ashton's like, oh. I'm like, you know why, Ashton? He humped my daughter one time. <laughs> one time. <laughs> one time. <laughs> one time. <laughs> Dad of the Year award. <laughs> Goes to. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. A poor 16 year old. He turns so fucking red. Oh my God. It was great. <laughs> Did he see so the humor it like we do? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, it was great. It was a great dad moment, man. That's, that's, yeah, it was awesome. So on the, the nuts clipping thing, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my wife is still up in the air and I'm still up in the air. I want to get an Airedale so bad and I want to make air labs. Yeah. So we're, we're still up in the air, whether we're going to clip his nuts Till we find a litter of Airedales. Yeah. yeah. So that's look, kind look, of what's going kept, on. As long as Leo, and I know a lot of labs that have, have they're of the intact their whole lives. As long as, uh, until they started, like I said, a humping with purpose or marking in the house, like I know it's fine, but you know, it just seemed like, and I originally was going to try to get to a year anyway, because there's things about growth plates and stuff like that, that some people I don't really, I don't know how relevant that is, but they say wait for their growth plate to fuse at a year and all this stuff. But, um, so I would have waited as long as I could. I just, he was developing quickly and, uh, and it was time and he's 78 pounds right now and he's thin, man. He's got ribs showing. And he, um, he wanted a zippy car, so. Right, right. <laughs> I think he's talking about the dog, Chad, not 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 the not the cat. <laughs> that's what we call a callback. Yeah, yeah that is. That's a good, good one. one. Yeah, that's really good. And I'm lucky they only were just cleaning guns when I showed up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He um. So, you know, we just, I went with it, but I would have liked to have, um, and then especially with how good of a dog he's turned out to be, um, I know plenty of people that have, you know, intact females and we, and I could have maybe, we could have maybe, you know, thrown a, uh, um, a litter of puppies, but, uh, I don't need to raise puppies, but it would have been cool to, to do. And, but you know, it, it, it is what it is. And he, he's, it's been decent. No, it's be been good for him. Being the dad of a black lab. You have zero responsibilities. Oh, I literally have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you let him breed and then walk away. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. He's uh, um. Well, you know what's funny that. that yeah, I know. Is that what your dad <laughs> said, Chad? 
My dad wasn't a black lab. <laughs> no, he's a yellow lab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, uh, uh it, it, but he, he, you know, he's big enough that people do uh, think that maybe he's in tech. He did for the first time. This was a, this was interesting. So, we were hunting with a group of guys. And who were we with? Uh, hunting with a group of guys, and one guy was running two labs, and they were not. Uh, they they were not. Um, they were unruly dogs. And one of the things it's hard to do, but you, you kind of want your lab to uh, honor another dog's retrieve. So if Leo's bringing a bird back, you, you keep your dog away from him. He shouldn't go try to take that bird away. Dogs end up fighting over birds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but Leo's not going to fight over a bird. He's pretty passive uh, with other dogs, quite frankly. And he, um, uh, but the, he, so he we, he was bringing one back, and one of these labs, this yellow, came over and took it from him, and he just kind of dr- let him have it, and came back to me, and I told him he was a good boy and all that, and then uh, the uh, little black lab did the same thing to him, and he did the same thing, and we got back to the truck, and everybody's milling around, and I'm giving Leo some water. It's real hot that day. It was it was a real warm early fall day, and so I got to be real careful. He doesn't you know hurt himself or or have a seizure or something. So I got him laying in the dirt. And, and watering him and that yellow comes over just wagging her tail real happy she comes over to say hi to leo and he jumped up and grabbed her by the throat and pinned her on the ground whoa um whoa. and he did yeah and he did the same thing to the black lab um and then they were friends and they also never took a bird from him again hmm. really but he, so he just yeah he just displayed think, where where his role i was. think he, i think he had to explain to them because he's big I mean, he like I'm not kidding. He's 78 pounds, and now he's got ribs showing. He's just hard muscle right now, and he's a big. He will go 90 uh, when he's when when uh, when he's not in perfect shape, and yeah. so he's not a small dog. And uh, I think he just had to explain to him like, "Look, you can take other people's birds away from me. Don't take my birds away from me." And um, and they didn't anymore. Those are the only time. It's the only time he's ever shown any kind of aggression or anything. So yeah, it wasn't about. Uh, uh, and that he hadn't had his nuts for a year, so it wasn't anything like that. It's just it was time to, um, you know, it was uh, I couldn't have him humping Ella all over the house. <laughs> Obviously. Mm-hmm. So hey, I got a dumb question for you. Yeah. <clears throat> Leo is a big dog, and he's mm-hmm. a good hunter. And yeah. you are a carp fisherman. How does he do in the boat? He well, first of all, he wades flats with me, which is fun. So I'll wade. We have a command. Uh, most people call it heel. One of the other things I did, I'll just say this real quick. One of the things I did that was really smart was um, most of Leo's commands are kind of non-traditional. Um, I use phrases <clears throat> like I don't use the heel command because when you're with a group of people who have dogs, everyone's yelling for their dog to heel and all the dogs get fucking confused about who's getting yelled at to do what. And so I don't use that command. I also have neighbors that have uh, girls that are really sweet and they're awesome with Leo, but they're constantly telling him, you know, to stay and all of these different things. And it, it desensitizes him to the commands. When I want him to stay in one place, I tell him to hold. And when I tell him instead of the command for heel, I use, I say right here, right here. And, and, um, and, and I have uh, most of my commands are, are just a little bit different. I just use different words that mean the same thing when, from the, from early on. So that he didn't get, he didn't, I had been out with a dog who's a great dog, Moose, and a great hunting dog. And we were hunting 
with a guy who had a dog that was not so great um, named Lucy. And uh, the owner of Lucy had to constantly be yelling at Lucy to do things. And he was just calling her Loose, which sounded to Moose like Moose. And eventually Moose gave up, thought he was being yelled at, gave up and, and wouldn't hunt anymore. He just would walk behind his owner because the other guy was constantly yelling, loose, no, loose, come here, loose, this, loose, that. So uh, that, that was in my brain. And I thought, well, we're going to make sure Leo has other commands that, that from me. And so we use uh, right here is one of them we use. So when I'm waiting, I can wade carp flat and I tell him, you know, right here, I went right here. And he'll stay at heel while we while we wait. He won't. He he'll go behind me, and I'll let him go run up in the grass and stuff. But when he gets in the water, I tell him right here, and he'll come and stay right, you know, right at heel um, while I carp fish, which is pretty fun. Um, he's good in the boat. He sleeps when the boat runs. At, um, when I'm running, you know, full speed. Uh, when I stop to get up and pull, he jumps up on the casting platform, which can be a bit of a problem when I have an angler on the boat and I got to make Leo get the hell down. Um, because he is infinitely interested in fish tails and fish jumping. When they jump, he's, he's like, he will run over to the side of the boat and stare at where that fish jumped. He doesn't know. I think he's just confused. <laughs> but he's like, what is? And so he will stare at, uh, at ORPC's tails. He'll stare at them. Um, he does get a little antsy. And that can be a problem on the flat because he walks around the boat. And then he's going click, 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 click. And you've got to be quiet. So... Yes, he yelled for that. And then, like I mentioned, it's hot and he's black, and that's a white boat. And so, if it's 90 and sunny, you know, he could overheat. So I have to stop, keep getting him wet, and let him swim. He'll 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 jump off the boat for bumpers, um, and then uh, clamber back in. And but he he loves it. He loves being on the boat. He gets so excited when I tell him it's boat time. Um, but uh, and he's pretty good. He's pretty good on there. He's particularly good if you're not trying to do anything too serious. If you're just out effing around and you don't really care he's great to have on the boat if you were trying to like like if you had to catch a carp because your life depended on it if you're out guiding or something <laughs> you'd prefer that leo wasn't walking around stand stepping on your fly line and uh you know and deciding it was time to to get up and walk to the other side of the boat right as you moved up onto a you know quiet flat with a bunch of fish on it and then it goes pat 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 all the way to the other side of the boat you know that kind of stuff <laughs> Yeah, but he loves it. He's been on it since he was little. And he started how, running. The... How does he do when you take you go out with Michael at uh, trout fishing? Yeah. How does yeah. he do on the creeks? Uh, good, uh, pretty good. Uh, uh, Mike's dogs are they trout fish with him constantly, so they're really well uh, understand. Uh, Leo will spend. Uh, too much time wanting to be right next to the angler and on the trout creeks you want him to stay well back right yeah and uh um and so he'll come run up to you at inopportune moments and you got to yell at him and get him back he knows not to go in front of people um but uh um he just loves being in the cold water so you gotta you gotta uh um you know like uh moose who was the best fishing dog i've ever been around you know, he wouldn't get in the water behind Mike without getting permission. And then he would, I think Garak wrote about this. It was really, it was really cool. Uh, um, he would look at you. Like if you're sitting in the grass watching Mike fish, Moose would come lay with you. And in the sun, he gets real hot. He's black lab. 
and he'd look at you and you'd tell him it was okay, he would slip into that water completely noiselessly, and then he would paddle in place like a little sea otter, paddle in place in the current until he cooled off, and then he would slip back out and lay back down in the grass. You'd, and Mike would never know he would ever he'd ever gotten in the in the creek. Um, Leo does not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Leo goes in like a bowling ball and tries to pick rocks up and you know all that. But uh, but he does frankly pretty pretty well. He like just likes to go up and run around in the woods. Um, and uh, and it'll be nice as he gets a little older because he he's a high octane dog man. He's got a lot of energy, and that's great. But it means he he's really tearing ass around on the banks, and you've got to really keep an eye on him to make sure he doesn't lose sight of you know, where you are, all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's enough that he's fit. Certainly, uh, it, it's not a pain to have him out. It's just one more thing to pay attention to, you know? I've, I've found recently that since Ollie's been uh, walking leashless with uh, with me and uh, I've been casting at the pond and shit, <clears throat> he likes to jump where I cast. <laughs> yeah. You know? So like, yeah. if I see a carp and I cast at it, Ollie's jumping in at the ripples that my fly makes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's something I have to work on him not doing. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that, I, I had that. We had that with Leo uh, uh, early or he would, he would, I think he thought I was throwing something in the lake for him. Yeah. Or something. Right. I think that's and what he's that, thinking. Yeah, exactly. And so we, we did have a little work to do on that. The boat made a big difference for that uh, because he, He's a little hesitant to jump off the boat, or at least he was when he was littler. Uh, He'll do it, but he doesn't do it just like he would off the bank. You know, he constantly is running in the water from the bank. Um, And, uh, um, but yeah, yeah, I've had that that before. Leo's been been chastised enough that he now recognizes that's not a good idea. Um, But uh, yeah, yeah, he does a pretty good job, frankly, for, for for a big dummy. (laughs) <laughs> oh, they are big sweeties, man. Mm. So just big s- snuggle muffins. Oh, they're the best. They're the yeah. best. Even I don't care how many pairs of my wife's dirty undergutchies he eats. He's the best. <laughs> I had a dog. I had a uh, Newfoundland Still named Annie. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then and she's she would. Uh, <laughs> I had a dog named a Newfoundland. <laughs> oh, God, we, we broke Dan. <laughs> Uh, i had a newfoundland named annie that would only eat dirty or she the only thing she would eat besides her toys and stuff but was dirty socks and she'd swallow dirty socks whole um and my dog does it now oh yeah my dog does that all the time it sucks, man. And, and and Annie was so big, you know, a newbie, she was like 140 pounds. And so she has like man-sized turds, right? And so you'd be mowing the lawn, and all of a sudden you'd be like, thump, 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 and a whole fucking sock would go shooting out from underneath your lawnmower. Oh, yeah. Your lawnmower would bog down. <laughs> yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Talking about having a oh, That was a wool one. <laughs> you should hear, you should hear a, a sock that's come out the back end of a dog hit a trailer, the side of a trailer that's next to your house. <laughs> that people are living in. Yeah, people live in. You're like, oh, God. That, uh, then you just you just pull into the shed, turn your mower off. No, that wasn't me. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ten points for the home team. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's... Uh... No, we have... We have uh... It's actually an aluminum garage next to my house. It's not a trailer, but... <laughs> trailer sounded better. <laughs> Neighbors bring your laundry back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we don't have the sock eating thing. We did. I did at one point think Leo was bleeding to death uh, because he uh, all of his turds were red. And then I realized that he he had uh, he'd eaten uh, a red bucktail. No, yes, he'd eaten red bucktail. That's exactly what it was. And there was red hair in in all of his turds, and it looked like streaks of red. I I was about to rush him to the emergency room, and then I'm like, wait a minute, that's red bucktail. Dan, Dan, you know how I know. Because I, I had a, that. I had a coon hound and the lab that had eaten chartreuse and blue bucktails one time in the middle of winter. <laughs> <laughs> and and I could tell which dog was the culprit because it had chartreuse and a blue bucktail in their duty. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> in the white snow. That's it. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, oh, that's it. I, I love that. I, guess I love those dogs, but I'm glad they're gone. <laughs> I gotta be thankful my dog won't go down my basement stairs. Oh, I got over 300 tails laying on the floor there right now. It'd be a massacre. Oh yeah. Oh. If Ollie was around, they would be shredded. Oh my yeah. god. The Your dog, dog doesn't go down the stairs. It will. It is deathly afraid of going down my basement. I don't know what the deal is. The dog's 12 now, and from the time we have had her, she would never walk down. They're not like backed. They're open. And I think yep. it freaked her out. That dog will not ever walk down them stairs. Has never once. I carried her down one time just to see, and she immediately ran back up and never went down again. <laughs> that's yep. Absolutely. So I set my kinda... tying station up down there, and like all my <laughs> material, everything, I never got to worry about the dog going down. She hangs out upstairs all day. The cat comes down, and you know, that's good. perfect. Lucky there. That is perfect. Yeah, we, uh, uh, Leo's, uh, he's all, I got to keep an eye on him and keep my stuff all, all put away. I had a, had a spare bedroom at, that had a bunch of bucktail in a, in a, um, uh, a box underneath the bed and I couldn't figure out where he was, why he was getting it, where he was getting bucktail from <laughs> because all my bucktail was put away, but it was, I could see it out, out in his turds. And then finally, one day I saw him coming out of that spare bedroom, and I was like, "Wait a second. I looked underneath the bed, and he had pulled out a a, a, a tail, and it was torn apart. And he'd pull out another tail, and he's tearing it apart, and just slowly, methodically taking the whole thing to part apart. <sighs> big dumb dog. Big dummies. You're a big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So- yeah. He's uh. He, he's uh. Uh, he, he really, you know, I tie with a lot. This is probably, uh, I mean, I'm asking for disaster here, but I'll shoot these birds. And, uh, I told you guys, I skin them whole about two or three skins every season. I will stretch and salt the skin whole. So I have all of those feathers and I use them for soft hackles on these big carp fly on, well, they're big relative to trout fly, right? But on these carp flies, I'll use the, use the feathers for soft hackles. So I have full pheasant skins laying around the house and, uh, uh, I have to take care. I have to really take care to um, uh, to keep not let Leo see of them. See oh, them. <laughs> he would just tear it to pieces. Oh, it'd be a it'd be a mess. Plus, all that salt can't be good either. I guess so he'd probably be barfing. <laughs> well, you eat barbecue. Just be parched. <laughs> you eat barbecue, so it's the same That's thing. That's true. <laughs> hey, salt- do you uh, do you have a problem with Ollie barfing? Barfing? Yes, he puked on our bedroom floor two nights ago. 
Yeah, that's good. Any particular reason? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, I don't like it. Uh, are <laughs> we talking? Are we talking dirty gutchies or? No, no. I thought maybe 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 he saw you guys naked and he got sick or something. No, but he will not get off the bed when we're naked. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. No, he wants to slip the, the nose in the butthole yeah. once. Or yeah, more, you know, he probably got a little too close after Jenny Cream Ales. Is that what it is? Because <laughs> I'm telling you what, it is bad tonight. He knows Dad has the right kind of stink. <laughs> Dad, why does your asshole smell like peanut butter? Ollie, don't ask questions. <laughs> oh my god! That's On that terrible. note, <clears throat> we've had you on the line here for about a little going over a little two hours. Uh oh. Anything? Uh, I think we hit on just about everything, Dan. Everything except carp fishing. Where Boy, can we cover? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the only thing I, I'm actually good at. <laughs> uh, are, are you taking any carp trips this year from from guests? Uh, yes. Where can they uh, Where can they go and find you at? Uh, you know, I don't have anything. I mean, because I just kind of do this for you know, rarely. Probably my Instagram is probably the easiest. It's the uh, best. Yeah, it's probably the best. My Instagram or my Facebook. Instagram's usually easier, but yeah, they can find me on there and. Uh, um, I've got a few spots open. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not full time or anything like that. I have like a real job and a kid and all that crap right now, but, uh, Loser. um, I know, <laughs> right. <laughs> I have like health insurance and stuff. Gosh, I'm so lame. Um, Who needs that? <laughs> <laughs> it's but, not uh, like you're shitting red bucktail. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> You know what? I guarantee if I lost my health insurance the next day, I'd be shitting red bucktail. That'd be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the truth, though. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so that, that's probably best. But uh, um, And then, you know, I always got open spots for you guys if you just want to come up. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, we've been trying for years to make it out. It, <sighs> pretty we'll pretty frequent happen. we make it to South Dakota. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, it, you, is being sarcastic? That very. <laughs> yeah, nobody frequently makes it to South Dakota. I don't think anyone... South Dakotans don't make it here frequently. <laughs> and wait. People, from I, people from Iowa only get here if they get lost. <laughs> you know what? I want to come oh, out fuck. bad, but I have two trips to Tennessee this year. Ooh, what are you doing in Tennessee? Well, one, I'm going with Jay, which is going to be a horrible trip. Yeah. Oh, vacation oh, with the Thompsons. We're going to get Fuck super that. drunk every night. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the other one, I'm going with my wife. She's running the Nashville Marathon. Ooh. Yeah. See, that'd be fun. Tennessee's awesome. She's man. a dummy. So I'm yeah. I'm going to try to hook up with a, a guy that I met last year and uh, oh. go down there. <laughs> that would be – yeah, you should. That would be awesome. Um, well, you know, if you guys are ever you know, headed through, let's say you're driving to Montana. I'm right in between. <laughs> so uh, – <laughs> You're coming from Maine to Mo- Maine to Montana. Right. right. <laughs> You're on the right. way. Yeah, I'm on the way. You can just swing by. Hey, just hey you got through. a guy who swung by because he was going from North Carolina to Wisconsin or Michigan. So. <laughs> what, which actually reminds me, Dan, I'll be in South Dakota in September. How far are you from Pierre? Oh, uh, three hours. What are you? What are you doing? Why are you going to Pierre? Because I got a busy-ass work schedule, There's so I'm no going to go. trees in South Dakota. <laughs> no, I'm going on vacation over there to visit some friends. Oh, there you go. Um, well, you probably will drive through. I'm in Sioux Falls. Okay. So, are you, yeah, if you, if you get a night here or a day here or whatever, I'm, I'm just a few hours away, and, and uh, I got a place for you to crash and a 
a flats boat and uh, a lot of fly fishing gear. So just let me know, man. And the dog that humps with purpose. <laughs> the dog. That, that seals the deal right there. Yeah. <laughs> Look, at this point. You go carp fishing. You know Leave me home with the dog. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, shit. It's gone I'd too far, Chad. Cut it off. <laughs> I'd be more concerned if he wasn't, if he was humping without purpose at this point, I guess. This is just, true. Just willy-nilly humping. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, guys. It's always good, though. I appreciate the, uh, the time. No, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And, uh, Thank you for blessing us on our 300th episode with a. Oh, hey, congratulations on 300, boys. That's really amazing. I, we, I, honestly, that's congratulations. We, we didn't make as much of a fuss about 300 as we did 200, but, but it's, uh, it's for real. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's middle deal. of fucking cold right now. You, our, our 200 was at least in the warmth. Maybe 400 will be in the warm. Yeah. Uh, how often? Yeah, no. How often do you guys do these? Uh, we try to do them once a week. Um, well, that means four four hundred will be exactly two years, and and uh, uh, you know it'll be in January if you guys manage to hit that. So it's not going to work work for you. Depends uh, how responsible Chad's being. Two hundred was in March, two years ago. Huh. I think um, it was right before COVID came out. Yeah. It, like seriously, Perfect. it was like two weeks before. before, the, before it I, I was face down on that car. It was two weeks there. before lockdown. <laughs> because we were yeah, we were it, making fun. We we're like those stupid China people. They're they're there's nothing wrong over there. What are they talking yeah. about? And then two yeah. weeks we didn't talk to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. I was on my way back from Milwaukee and uh, making jokes about uh, how to get coronavirus because my daughter was putting on lip gloss on an airplane. I thought, ah, <laughs> you're going to get, that's a good way to get coronavirus. And then we got home and they're like, okay, everybody don't leave their house. I was like, oh. Yeah, don't move. My, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody freeze. It's like, uh-oh, dang it. This is a bad deal. Um, well, congratulations on 300, guys. That really is a big deal. I, you should be proud. It's a great podcast. I, I love listening to your stuff. Oh, thank you so much. That, that means a lot. And uh, – you're one of our favorite people to have on, and we thoroughly enjoy it. And um, maybe next time you come on, we can talk about some carp. But if hey, not, if the, if not, we can talk about Leo some more, and we thoroughly enjoy it. <laughs> it doesn't seem to me like we ever run out of things to talk about, boys. No, no. it always uh, goes well. I I still remember the first time you were on, and we talked about carp in a bathtub from the, oh, the Polish people. Okay, <laughs> hold on. I, can I can we can I tell you a story before we get off? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm dating, I'm dating this woman. Does she keep carp in her bathtub? Well, just wait a second now, buddy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Her, her name is her name is Ivana, and she, and she moved here order? from Poland. She moved here from Poland 12 years ago, and did, she used to keep carp in her bathtub. Did you fly her in? No. Oh, yeah, I bought her on Facebook you, Marketplace. I was going to say, you dive deep into the forums for that. <laughs> the South Dakota special. Wanted. Man who wants woman who has carp and bathtub. Damn. Yes! So, yeah. has, she asked yeah. you to, has she asked you to keep a carp? To, no, uh, uh, she, has, she, she has not. 
uh, because uh, she, she has. I, w- I did get super nervous because they do that at Christmas. Yeah, it's their Christmas meal, and I got real nervous around Christmas time because <laughs> her mom, her mom lives here with her, and her mom only speaks Polish. Um, and I was, and her sister's here. It's a, it's a long story, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and, and then you're the carp guy. <laughs> yeah, and right, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you just love me for my carp, baby. But I, uh, <laughs> uh, I did get nervous around Christmas time. I was like, you don't do that here do you and she's like no she's like no one actually likes it that's what she said was her claim <laughs> they just do her it for car- tradition yeah exactly but yes she, she had carp she had carp in her bathtub as a kid and uh so i it's it's a match man it's a match you guys are made in heaven <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm glad you brought up Polish people. <laughs> hey, that's what we're here for. <laughs> we're we're not just about cultural appropriation. No, no, that's good. We now we all learned something. <laughs> so hey, thank you so much, Dan, for your time. <laughs> this, all right, boys. Talk to you later. This has been a swell time. <laughs> See, you. See you guys. Got a new kind of square dance rap. Don't talk smack, flash my gas. I'm finna spit and hold my dick and heat shit up like a thermostat. Grab your partner by the chaps. Give your partner rape him slap to symbolize the ghetto trap. Step to the right, give three claps. Kids jam packed in tenement shacks. Ain't shit. Alright, guys, man. Dan is so much fun. I can't I can't stand it. Oh my. Um, I do wanna thank Zach for coming by. It's out of his way to come here on his way home from North Carolina to, to Michigan. But it's been so much fun having Zach in, a, in studio with us. So thanks, bud. It's been my pleasure. I, I know from, a, from way back, you've been, you've been someone that's supported us. And it, it definitely means a lot. I'm happy to help you guys out. I enjoy listening every week. Listening to you guys is just like me and my buddies in the boat busting each other's nuts all, all the time. Flies are great too, man. Uh, flies I've been looking at tonight in the last, all the batches of flies we've got from you. I, I use a lot of them. I stole the whole box and just used them myself on a consistent basis. They've caught hybrids, smallmouth, trout. As you trout. Can see, they're not coming back anytime. No, so. no, they're not. <laughs> these, no, these are going to no. trickulate themselves right into there and they'll just stay on my boat. Uh, that, I, I kind of figured if you don't lose them in the wood in the first 10 casts. No, no wood. We go get those. Nope, they're not in the wood, they're about 60 feet up a tree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm just happy to spread a little love to some good group of guys, and uh, I'm glad you like them. I just try to tie some flies that actually fish. They're not the prettiest things in the world, but yeah, I catch a fish or two every once in a while. Uh, we're we're an all right group of guys. I wouldn't say good. <laughs> well, you talk to Dustin Hines, so, well, you know. <laughs> that that brings us down two phases. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say one, but if you want to go two. <laughs> oh, man. You guys are a, a rough crowd around there. <laughs> Somebody has to hold down the fort in the bus. Absolutely. So, um, hey, do we have anything else we want to hit on this evening, guys? A pillow. A pillow would be nice. Jay's getting a little sleepy over here. I can see that, man. You you were definitely not involved. <laughs> I'm still a little sleepy. I said some funny things early. <laughs> I almost fell out here. Starting to wear off. 
So, but okay, guys. Snack, snack sounds good <laughs> too. <laughs> After I ate like twelve fucking chocolate chip cookies that Mark's wife made, they were great. They were, they were great. They were good. Those were good cookies. Yeah. Don't Fat let me around approved. the cookie. Oh yeah, I'm like the cookie monster. Cookie. Doobie and a fucking bag of cookies. Set me up. Doobie and a brew and some poontang too, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Little Pat Daly. Oh, I'm pumped for the Super Bowl. We're going to have some food for the Super Bowl, man. I'm going to do a brisket. It's going to be like a 12-hour, 14-hour smoke. Should be good times. Hopefully have some beers and eat some good food and watch Joe Burrow fo- throw for a 1,000 fucking yards and five touchdowns. Fuck that guy. Who that? Oh. <laughs> What's more about? risky, a hundred twenty-five dollar bet on the Super Bowl or Jay with a brisket? <laughs> they're uh, both about the, hey, hold on, they're hold both on. about the same price. Mark, that's a push. That's a push. I have a really nice smoker. It does all the work for me. I just got to make sure the fucking thing stays at a good temp. And my my cousin's gonna be there too, and he's a professional chef, or was a professional chef, and he smokes a lot of food, so he'll be there to. But he also loves tequila. That's still a push. Yeah, he, he's, he's asleep on the couch, though. He wants to sleep that close and be able to keep an eye on it. I have the smoker close enough you could see it from the uh, from the window, my front window, and see the temperature and everything. So that keeps it. That's kind of nice. You don't have to actually go outside until you have to go outside. Yeah. So, well, first few things I've smoked have turned out pretty well. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I might do some uh, things that I can do shorter as well. You know, maybe have something that I could do that's three, four hours, five hours, whatever. Maybe I'm um, and then just take it out so you chickens. can have some, some chef's treats. <clears throat> yeah, food some while smoke. we're food while we're still cooking. Smoked mac and cheese, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I think we're gonna do that for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh gosh, our other uh, one of our other buddies just did one. Um, geez, Rick, Rick just smoked some mac Rick and Elier. cheese the other day. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So that was inspirational. I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Good thing I'm not around for that because I'd kill a whole big old plate of that by myself. I'd have to make you a pan for yourself? Yeah, maybe two. But Mac and cheese is where it's at on the smoker. Oh, hell yeah. It I takes just in just the right amount of smoke. All right, no, and you got to have that the you know yellow cheddar plus the white cheddar. You got to mix it up a little bit. Oh, this guy knows his cheese. You got to yeah. throw in that Gouda. Born and raised cheese head here. So you're, you're, you're a, you're a uh, Packers fan then? Go Pack Go. It was very nice to beat you this year. <laughs> you guys are losing your quarterback, so uh, good for you. You know, people were saying that last they year. They said that hey, last well, year. Hey, then. if you want Jimmy G, we'll give him to you for a first round. Oh, you got a late first round. <laughs> we don't want that crap. No, we'll just, just trade him this up. year and next year. You know, watching the Packers is like musky fish, okay. and you always get disappointed in the end. It's kind of like beating up. off with your left hand. Exactly. Just can't come to the, end le- the finish line. I'm a Niners fan. I haven't seen a ring in since 95. Man, that must Not be since Joe Montana days. No, 94. No, Steve Young, 94. It was 94. Yeah, because yeah. five yeah. is Cowboys. Because yeah. you beat yeah. the Packers to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lost then the Cowboys. dismantled the Chargers. At least you're not a Browns fan. Yeah, fuck those guys. Yeah, they <laughs> suck. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're idiots. They're a quarterbackless team. <laughs> so like every Browns fan's got to have a noose that hangs like just enough that your butt touches the basement floor. It's like just <laughs> enough to keep you from killing. It's like, man, I, don't I know. always have lemon slices on hand. <laughs> I don't know what you mean, but. <laughs> That's it. Let's go, Bengals. 
I'm a yeah, Cowboys fan, but let's go Bengals. Too. I can't see the Rams win. Pops is but bad hard Bengal fan. I'm gonna have to say it. I I want the Bengals to win. I really think this is set up for the Rams to win it with Stafford. It really is. And they had a, they had a tough road. Burrow though. Win they has. had a tough ass road to get there though. They played mm-hmm. the best team the best team in the AFC, and then they played the actual best team in the AFC. You know that's a tough road to get there. Five interceptions, so we'll see. I don't know. I hope Stafford throws for three interceptions. Much I, as I you know I, I feel bad for him. He wasn't you know. Football hell for quite a few many quite a few years, so you do feel bad for me. They got a hell of a defense too. As a Packer fan living in Michigan, I am just sick and tired of all these Michigan ganders thinking that Stafford's the reason this team's going to the Super Bowl because this is the same team that took their current quarterback yeah, to a are, Super Bowl they, they as well. They do have the actual number one ranked defense too. If I yeah, correct, yeah, I think they are. The Titans were. Titans were one, then yeah, the Rams were two. Yeah, the Rams were way up there. And or it's Buffalo was number one. And it was, they Buffalo right was there. number one rushing defense. Oh, okay, it was rushing defense, okay. I also like seeing Michigan and Michigan State fans. Or any any sports team from Michigan besides the Red Wings fans crying. And they're good at it. They're really good at it. That's funny. I don't like any Pennsylvania team except for, you know, Pens. Yeah, me too. I mean, everybody's a Pirates fan until June. Because then, you know, you get one month. It's like, okay, maybe they got a little chance. You get one they, solid month no. of the And the then even when they do, they'll make a run to the playoffs. And you're like, you know, they're not going to do anything. And if they do make it, so don't let them make it because they're going to get – then they get then they make it. Or they, or they get a few good players years. and they trade them away. All right. Well, you know, at least you guys have some expectation. With the Brewers, it's like we're garbage. And all of a sudden next year, this is our year. And then next year, okay, we're garbage. Hey, we, maybe we'll make a wild card. It's so inconsistent. It's like, why do I even bother spending the time to follow them? At least you still have the Brewers. I had the fucking Guardians. Oh, yeah, that, yeah I'm a Guardians fan too. Better than I uh, was. <laughs> better than Washington. What did they name it? To, uh, oh, Commanders. yeah. Commanders, dude. Oh, so Come so they're on. gonna when they when they shorten their team up. Guess what they're gonna be. They're gonna be the Washington Commies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. That's. They are. They're going to be the Washington Commies because Niners. You know, you're not the 49ers. Yeah. You're the Niners. We're the boys. You know, they're the you know the Brownies or the Browns, whatever. They they don't get really good. Packers short, the pack. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Go commie go. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The Washington Commies. Are they red? Please say they're red. Well, yeah. They're they're well. They're maroon and gold. The, the like the commies like like red Russia. Yeah. Yeah. They're red and gold, the just same. like the Russian flag. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, jeez. That's some funny-ass shit. <laughs> All right, on that note, we're brought to you by Predator Fly Gear. Find them at PredatorFlyGear.com. Airx hooks. Find us hooks on the market. Hey, tonight's show has been recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check Mark out at UrbanFlyCompany.com. And put your money in good hands with Michael over at Down to Earth Wealth Management. Queen City Guiding. Ryan Evans, QueenCityGuiding.com. Call the bank, not Frank. Or call Frank, not in the bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need another beer. Hey, I want... From the, bo- Frank. <laughs> from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank everyone that listens to this podcast. Everyone is definitely tuned out three hours in. So if you're still listening, I want to thank you for listening to 300 of our stupid episodes. And I want to thank Zach for stopping by on his way from North Carolina back to the Uper. Um, it's been a great run. Thank you, guys. We couldn't have done it without you.